Russell, Chuck Freeman in for Drew and KB as they wrap up their Mexican, I wouldn't call it a vacation, it was a working vacation, but they'll be back on Monday, so you've got us for the next three hours once again on this glorious Friday. Chuck, how you feeling today? I'm feeling good, Russ, looking forward to the weekend, you know, driving in here, uh, stopped off, had a burrito, I'm ready to go. I'm ready what to go. What kind of burrito did you have? Uh, one of the Cordoba uh, burritos. Oh, okay. That's a good burrito. I got to say I enjoy, this. I enjoy a, a good burrito. I do, too. I, you know, I, Nothing I, wrong with that. Wherever. You know, they, they're all good. They're all good. Uh, any place you go. I mean, it's hard to make a bad burrito. Now, I'm not saying this place today, but I've, uh, I got to tell you my beef on fast food restaurants. Um, here's the thing. Two things. Okay. Um, number one, please. And I'm not saying Quidoba. Because it was fine. Um, clean up your uh, <laughs> clean up the dining room. It's disgusting. Some of these places. Okay, please. And we're coming. And I know you don't want to open it, and you want to close it because you know it's you don't want to hire somebody to have to clean it. Please, then you know, <laughs> yeah, keep it open, and and please clean it up. It looks a mess. I went to a place um, a couple of weeks ago. Could not find a place to eat in there because every it was trashed. And uh, what place was it? What, what is it? What, what does it uh, rhyme with? It's like well, Schmichmanals. No, it serves Mexican food. You might, okay. might say, but it wasn't Quidoba. Okay, um, but it's one of my favorite spots. It Chipotle? was just uh, so. No, it, it, no, no, no. One, <laughs> one that place. Well, here's another problem I have. Okay, you know when you get the combo meal or whatever, and you get the soda, or if you buy a soda in general, um, please, when you hand me the cup, don't stick your hand inside the cup. Okay. This place I do go to, she gives me the cup, and I want to say something. You know, she. Well, you could always just not go there. But I like. The I mean, place. that's a choice. I, I know, but I like the place. But you know, when, is it oh, the same person? Oh, did you have a combo meal? Yes, it did. And she re- no, a couple of people. They'll reach underneath and put their hand right at their hand without a. They should have uh, gloves on to begin with. Their bare hand. You know, we're trying to be so overly COVID protective here. They put their hand right in the. In the in the cup, and that that disgusts me more than anything else. Well, usually they have an eight hundred number. Like, how are we doing? Yes. and you could just call that, that work. number I like, with I usually a minimal to, of effort. I try to shave them on Twitter, but uh, I you know I don't want to get anybody in any trouble. But I feel like saying, "Ma'am, please don't put your hand in." I mean, do you know what you see? What you're doing there? You're putting your hand inside the cup. Oh, I'll put somebody on blast if they need to be put on blast. And sometimes it's just the individual restaurant. Mm-hmm. I. Enjoy a, if, if I'm going to do fast food, generally my go-to is Wendy's. Okay, mm-hmm. and I would say almost every single Wendy's around southeastern Milwaukee, southeastern Wisconsin, where we do this show from, uh, great. They don't screw up my order. Mm-hmm. The one by my house screws up my order every single time. How's that? Well, if I order a small fry, they'll give me onion rings. Or if I order onion rings, they'll give me a fry. Or they'll give me the wrong sandwich. Or they'll give me the mm-hmm. wrong soda. They'll give me the wrong size soda. I mean, I I would say in the last three years, 75% of the time I've gone to this particular Wendy's. Again, this is just mm-hmm. this one. My order has, there's been something wrong with it. I think part of that, Russ, is COVID laziness. I mean, I think people just don't care anymore. I really don't. I don't think people care anymore, and that's a problem. And you get home, and I assume you're not eating in the dining room there. 
and I use the dining room loosely when I talk about these fast food places. Mm. Dining room. Okay, you're going to the, you're going home to take it home, and you get home and you're disappointed. Or do you check the stuff when you're through the drive through, you pass through, and then you got to go through the drive through window again? It depends. If I'm going through the drive through, it usually means that I'm coming to work or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't generally because there's a bunch of fast food joints by my house. There's an Arby's. There's a Wendy's. There's a McDonald's, there's a Starbucks, so there's a bunch of them that are on my way from my house to I-94. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going through a drive through it generally means I'm in a hurry. I don't do a lot of fast food, but when I do, it's generally because I've got an extra 10 minutes, and then I've got to get, usually it's here, usually mm-hmm. I, it's to work. So I don't open the bag up until I hit the interstate, and by then it's too late. Yeah, no, I know. And you want to keep the bag shut, too, because you want it warm by the time you get to the, your destination. Now, here's – and I've uh, there's no secret. Like a Taco Bell, and I love Taco Bell. I have one of those, too. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, they're in a little bit of a hurry, and they make you half a taco. That's my big – and I've complained about okay. that before. And I'll go right up to the front, and I'll say, you're charging me for a full taco. This is embarrassing. Give me a full taco, please. No, they'll, they'll make, they'll actually make. Oh yeah, you shame so them. I'll, they'll do another so one I'll for you. Eight, so I'll have eight tacos there, and it's like I shouldn't have to. But uh, but if you go through the drive-through and you get home and you look, open it up, and you say, they really didn't care about me at all. I mean, they did not value me as a customer. So I mean, yeah. Uh, here, here's the word. You know, the managers out there, these places. You know, we love you, but please, don't half-ass it. Don't take us for granted. Do not take us for granted. Brad and Sheboygan has a good point. You know who also has good food and never screws up? Quick Trip. Oh, yeah. Well, you just go right there well, and you pick up your order. Well, you walk in. The Quick Trip doesn't have a drive through because yeah. it's... But you know what? Someday. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So if you go to the freshly uh, prepared aisle, mm-hmm. that's it's not frozen, but it is refrigerated. Mm-hmm. But they also do have some hot food. As well. Sure they do. Yeah, absolutely. So. But and then, but you don't you pick it up, up, and you know what you're getting yourself and, into, and, you pick it and up. their food is delicious. Their it food is. is wonderful. I love um, I don't always have time for that. No, because um, you got to get out of the car, right? Yeah. And sometimes you just got to run in, uh, run through the drive-through, pick up your stuff, and go. Uh, there is a, a Chinese restaurant that I go to that we frequent. It's in Pewaukee. It's right off of Capitol, mm-hmm. and for a while, because I like the sweet and sour chicken. They they would forget to put the sweet and sour in, so now that's I do check that one every single time. I mean, because I just, because there just, have been times when I've gotten home and there's been no sweet and sour sauce in the sweet and sour chicken, and I will drive back and get more because I can't have my sweet and sour chicken without my sweet and sour sauce. And will you say come something and and just say please come on? Well, no, I'm well, not going to be a dork about yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing: is some of these these places, Russ. Okay, they 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 make mistakes, and I feel it's because of laziness. And I feel like, here, you know, this is your food. Just eat what you got. I would say they haven't screwed up the sweet like and sour either. sauce. They, they've for a while it was it was pretty bad, but I would say in the last three years they haven't done it at all. We go there pretty often. The food is really good, mm-hmm. but that, I always check though too because sure. I've been burned a couple of times. But yeah, for a, a good six month period, it yeah. was pretty regular. And you know, there's some kid there making seventeen bucks an hour who doesn't really care about you. Just wants to get out of there, get or you know, he or she wants to get back to the phone and start texting, see where they're going, and when they get off their shift at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> and they don't care about Russ getting a sweet and sour. Well, they do now. I mean, but mm-hmm. I always check though too. Yeah, I'm always checking. Shouldn't have to, but you're right. But but you know, I, I it's just a it's crack it open. Is it there? Okay. And now we're on our way. Maybe I shouldn't have to, but it takes me less than a second. It's like the people who honk at you 
uh, and they get really angry. Like a little beep beep if you're mm-hmm. like on your phone or something at the stoplight, but that I can handle. The be- but the people who go and then they flip you off. It's like. What did I did I delay you? What yeah. second and a half, two seconds maybe to your chosen destination? You can make that up by going around me, and everything's going to be just Jim Dandy fine. And on top of it, Russ, when they do get by you, they're probably what fifty yards ahead of you, maybe yeah. for the next ten miles. Yeah. Just got, I think the whole world just has to chill out a little bit. I think I think everybody's so high strung right now. I don't know if it's COVID, but I think it happened started to happen before COVID. Everybody's just got to relax a little bit. Just, yeah, you know, take a deep breath. Everybody's doing their best here, I think. Well, I think, you know, relaxing is one thing, but being lazy is another. And I think we've gotten really lazy. I think we've really gotten lazy. People don't want to work. You know, we got to give the, I mean, there are some businesses that can't stay open a certain amount of hours because they can't get employees. Well, can't that's part employees. of it. That's part of it. Sure. There's, there's restaurants and businesses that have to close at maybe three or four in the afternoon because I went to a went to grocery shopping. Okay. In West Bend um last uh last Friday last Friday night. Okay, last Friday night went to, we had to get some grocery shopping because we were having a Super Bowl party. Went to the deli, had a pick and save, which I love are they a sponsor? Uh I don't think so. Okay. Which I like pick and save. We go shopping. I don't, pick and save. I, don't I pick There's well, one by I, our house. We go to it all the time. I like them all. Piggly Wiggly Pick and Save Festival. You know, I, <laughs> Thank I do. you for asking, by the way, if they're a sponsor. I do. Well, I, I just don't want to you know, I don't want to get anybody hammering me here. Yeah. Um but the deli and it, this isn't their fault. It was not pick and save's fault. But went to the deli and it was dark at five thirty and a guy came over from the meat department and says, Yeah, they close they'll close at five. I go, They close at five yeah, can't get anybody to work. So if you need a job, go to pick oh, and save. Oh, there are plenty of jobs out there. Yes, but I don't know how these places are staying, how some of these places are of functioning because they can't get employees. Well, a lot of them don't want to pay. Yeah. Well, I mean. A lot of them don't want to, you know, look, there are some places that you, like a quick quick trip, for example, because I've seen the signs on the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're starting, if you want to go work a quick trip, you're going to make 15 bucks an hour starting. At Quick Trip, okay. or at least the one in Madison. Not that bad. Stop by. That, that's not bad. That's no. not. That's not bad at all. It's better than it was, you know, five or six years ago. It's better than it was two years ago. Yeah. So there are places that will take care of you. You go through like Chick Fil A, for example, and they're never understaffed. Mm-hmm. I believe it's because they pay more of a living wage than sure. perhaps some of the other ones. And do. the line is going, you know, six blocks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can't. Maybe and they come just here and, then they get them through. Yeah. But I mean. You know, so, people got to work. These businesses, maybe you get, maybe some of these businesses have to fork over a few more shekels. But, to, but, but to here's lure the some, deal: the, some the, workers in. But here's the problem, Russ. Some of these independent guys, they can't afford to pay seventeen bucks an hour to, uh, you know, Steve well, over here at uh, Waukesha South High School to come in and bust tables. They will pass that savings along to you, the consumer. But that's hey, and, and then that, as a result, that's, that's the life that we live. You know, you're paying forty dollars a plate for veal parmesan. Sure, yeah. Well, you have the option of not going out. Well, I know, but I like going. You know, I do like going out to eat. Like tonight, we um, I said I told Ash, what do you want to do? We'll go out to eat tonight. You know, it's a Friday night. Who wants to cook on a Friday night? But we know if we go out to eat with the ten year old, it's going to be a hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, that's the cost of going out. I know, but when that, I feel like it was like fifty two years ago. But all of a sudden, man, you know, you go because we order appetizer. You know, maybe a you know whatever, a couple of drinks. I guess it depends on where you're going. Yeah, I mean, independent place. There's a place that we go to. Hey, okay, so my favorite type of food is Italian. I don't know what yours is, but oh, my, I, I love Italian. Italian and Mexican. 
My wife loves Mexican. I like Mexican. She she puts Mexican on top of Italian. I'm flip flop that. Mm-hmm. So we were in Vegas one one time, and Frank Sinatra has a restaurant in Vegas. Sinatra's okay. yeah. at, over at the Win, and so we went there one night, and we just we're gonna treat ourselves. The bill was like three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like my God. Next night we went to our favorite restaurant, which is Batista's, which is behind the Flamingo. Yeah, and you can get in and out of there with. Uh, main entree, all the wine you can drink, cappuccino after you're done, uh, side dish, the whole shebang with tip less than 70 bucks. Yeah, it's funny how it works, huh? It's like one yeah. one night when we were in Scottsdale, we went to uh, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. Usually it's about 200 bucks. And then like the next day, we went to the In-N-Out Burger. It was like 16 for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Still got full either way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bernie from York, PA. Let's see. I've got a Burger King that's only open from 7 until 2. Yeah. A Monday through Friday, and it's closed Saturday and Sunday. Wow. And that's what city? York, Pennsylvania. So, hi, Bernie, listening on the iHeartRadio okay. app in York, Pennsylvania. That's where uh, John Kuhn is from. Or oh, he, okay. I think he's either from there or he played his college ball. I think Shippensburg State is in. Yeah, Shippensburg. That's where he went. Southern uh, Pennsylvania. Isn't that where York is? I don't know. Okay. I'm sure Bernie will hit us back, and he'll okay. let us know. All right. uh, let's see. Greg and Grafton writes, Doug, my son got a job at the Chick-fil-A in Montgomery Falls. I don't know where that is. Is that, is that in Wisconsin? Montgomery no. Falls? I don't, I've never heard of it. Well, it's not near Grafton. I know that. And he makes 16 bucks an hour. Yeah. 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 That's... Well, look, at, you see the signs out in front, Doug, when you're on the marquees. 17, 16, 15 bucks an mm-hmm. hour. But... I don't, know how hard, are, man. I don't know how people are turning the key when no one's taking these jobs. If I was in high school, I had a chance to make 15, 16 bucks an hour. Holy cow. I do, I'd be all over that. Uh, Todd from the 920, I've never been so disappointed in takeout or drive through service as I have during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. For most of these places, it was the only thing that they were doing for the past two years, and they couldn't get orders correct. Amen. If our business is going to, if our business is hurting to begin with, you would think you'd try to get things right so as to not lose any more business. I think it's taking the it's taking the customer for granted. Oh, Greg and Grafton writes, that was supposed to be Menominee Falls, oh. not Montgomery oh. Falls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Greg. You know, I kind of thought that. <laughs> spell check might have got attacked them a little bit. I think the spell check monster bit up and <laughs> jumped up and bit him. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> so, but I'm always a big supporter, Russ, of the independent guy. Of uh, you know, like on a Friday or Saturday, going to independent because we have a lot of great and these and these restaurants are fantastic in town and in Wisconsin they are and you know they're they can't afford to pay these high per hour uh, salaries um, because they want to stay in business and yeah. you know they don't want to be charging us you know thirty five dollars for a fish fry they don't want to be doing that so but they they got to turn the profit they got to turn something over. They got to make, you know, they're in it to make a, make a, a buck or two, too. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, an admonition, by the way, from the king of the sofa, Dave. Uh, he says to you, Chuck, never mess with anyone who handles your food. Oh, okay. You mean <laughs> what I said about the. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I'm. That's I'm good. A, it's good advice. I'm afraid to mention the, the place I went to because I don't want them spitting in my food, which I heard is real. Yes. Uh, by the way, Bernie in York hits us back and says, he just says, yes. I assume that means that he's near Shippensburg. Okay. Pennsylvania's a big state. It's the Keystone State, you know. Uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big state. Big state. Mm-hmm. Large state. Was there three, five years ago? Okay. I haven't been to Pennsylvania in a minute. Dr- driving along. Went to go see some friends out there. 
And they live right near the Pocono Speedway. I have a friend who lives in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Yeah, beautiful area. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. Absolutely. Visited a couple of times out there myself. All right. Um, So there's going to be sports gambling at Pato. Yes. You've got to be happy about that. I'm not a gambler. You're a gambler. No, I think this is good. This is this is good for guys who like to, to gamble on games. It is. It is good. Uh, one thing, um, like I've told you before, Russ, is I don't think the expansion of gambling is good for college sports, small college sports. Which surprises me because you're a gambler. It is, but I just don't, I just question the integrity of a lot of different things, from officiating to players on many levels. Um, Do you I just, think that NIL could help with any of that because these kids aren't as impoverished? Who? And, and I name, image, likeness. Oh, oh, they have the yeah. Ability, oh, okay. They have the okay. ability to make money now. I thought, you, I, thought, I thought you said MIL, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, NIL. Oh, okay, yeah. Name, image, likeness. They have the ability to make money yeah. in legal ways as opposed to back in the day mm-hmm. when these kids, many of them, were literally impoverished playing at these schools where their coaches are making six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year, and the only way for them to make a couple of bucks, maybe make uh, enough money to make it home to see their families at Christmas, was to perhaps do something untoward. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of college kids out there. I mean, this, this, this is going a different way when you talk about that, but I mean, there's, you know, I didn't have a lot of money when I went to college at UW-Eau Claire. But you, you had the ability to. You, you could go make uh, some money doing a part-time job, for yeah. example, which is make it three thirty-five an hour. <laughs> well, back in the day, yeah, but they didn't have the ability, no. even a, the ability sure. to do that as well. But I'm saying. you know, I, I could tell you the kids that who were playing basketball at UW Eau Claire back in the eighties, they weren't making three thirty-five an hour. Uh, those guys had nice jobs. You know, working for some of the benefactors of the program, um, you know, delivering milk or whatever, and they were making. Friend they of were the not, program. Yes, they were. They were not making four bucks an hour. Uh, but uh, this, the sports gambling. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm just, I just fear the integrity of some of these games. I do, uh, but. You know, that aside, it's great for the gambler out there. It is. And it's great that we're keeping that in the state. Now, from what I understand, Russ, and I was looking, you know, a few of the TV sites, the few of the TV sites had the story. Journal Sentinel did not have the story yet. And, you know, again, the newspaper industry, you you and I have friends who work there and all that, but, you know, it's, it's drying up. It's hard when you don't have staff. Used to, exactly. That's what, that's what I'm blaming it on. I'm not blaming it on competence, but, you know, because these – you know these newspapers don't have staff anymore. You see a lot of misprints and you see a lot of uh, misspellings, and you, you know, you don't see them breaking as many stories as they once did because of it. Um, and yeah, they didn't have the story. They, I was looking for the story there, um, and it wasn't on there. But it was on all the you know everybody else in town had it. Um, so I think you know it sounds like according to the early reports on this, they're not going to have a sports book established until the end of the year, which I. I thought, man, that's not even some kiosks to carry us until then. <laughs> no, because that's what, I know. that's what they have in Oneida in Green Bay. You know, the once the forty-five day, you know, they got to rubber stamp it for forty-five days, and the kiosks got delayed a little bit in Green Bay at Oneida because of, um, you know, because of COVID and parts and all that. They had problems there. Uh, I don't think they've even officially opened up their sports book there, but at least they had the kiosks to get you going in late November once the you know that got going. So I'm surprised like they're not going to be gambling at Pato until maybe by the end of the year. That's Still a, a big long... story that it's coming. Though. It is. It is. I just thought it'd be. I thought maybe. I thought maybe in a couple of months they get a couple of kiosks there and away we go. And then you know when they open up the sports book, they open up the sports book, but. Uh, that's the early stages of that story I saw so far, but that's great. You know, Pato's going to get it. 
Um, there's a, they'll be the third casino in the state. Turtle Lake has got sports gambling, Oneida. And if you want to go to Michigan, Island Casino in Upper Michigan's got it, too. Well, you see all these other states that surround Wisconsin that have legalized gambling. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of tax dollars that can go You're into right. the state coffers that now will stay home in Wisconsin as opposed to right. going out of state. So now, this, to me, is a no-brainer. Now, I think here on this deal, which, you know, at Oneida, you cannot bet on the college uh, college teams in the state. You can't bet on the Badgers. So Marquette, Wisconsin, Marquette, et cetera, Wisconsin, et cetera. UW degree, you know, the four no. Division One basketball programs you can't bet on, um, which I just think is kind of odd. If we're going to have gambling, you know, you can't you can't bet on, you know, the Illinois, I think they're going to try to lift it because they have the same thing in Illinois. I think they're trying and to And they've lift got it. a lot more teams down in Illinois. I mean, yeah. they've got UIC, they've got Loyola, yep. uh, Northwestern, Southern Paul, Illinois, Southern Illinois, oh, you know, University the, of, uh, Northern yeah. Illinois, yeah. Eastern Illinois. Yeah. We just have four here that have uh, betting lines. But um, but bottom line is they got the deal passed, and uh, I don't know why we don't have a statewide thing like Michigan has, but you know the governor's got to make packs with all the different um, different tribes here in the state, which, you know, again, I don't understand why we just don't have one that gives the okay to everybody to do it. Want to talk some college football coming up next? Yeah. College football? Yeah. Sure. Our friend Lance Leipold. Is coming up next. Oh, we were just talking about him. Yeah, the uh, head football coach at the University of Kansas. Jefferson native. Mm -hmm. Legendary Whitewater coach. Now doing his thing in the Power Five conferences. He's going to join us coming up straight ahead. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm Doug. He's Chuck. We're sitting in for Drew and KB on this Friday. Play out with some Zach Brown. flew by like a drunk Friday night as summer drew to an end. They can't believe that I just couldn't leave and I bid Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in for Drew and KB for one final day. You know, we were talking earlier this week, Chuck. You know who you want to have on this week? Mm-hmm. And we kind of landed on couple guys we had matt miller on yesterday we've had tom hodricord on he's retiring from the milwaukee journal sentinel might be the last opportunity i get the chance to talk to him in an official capacity and we also threw out the name yeah, what's lance leipold after one year of being in power five division uh 1a football he was of course at buffalo had such a successful run with the bulls and then the jayhawks called him it's like i don't know Let's well, Lance on. just just remember we knew him when when he brought the trophy in he always bring the trophy and joined us on another radio station mm-hmm. and uh the national championship trophy but uh certainly we've been following his career and all that and uh we, we've messaged back and forth from time to time but i mean he's he's on his way man he's got his, and it's you know what he's doing it for all the guys who never got a chance all the great coaches uh, at small schools who never got a chance at a crack at a big time to prove how good of a coach they are. And Lance is certainly having that opportunity right now and making the most of it. Without a doubt. Uh, and he joins us here on the Drew and KB show without Drew or KB. Lance, appreciate the time. How was your first season? How you doing? Hey, Lance. <laughs> Doug, Chuck, great to hear your voices. I guess anytime, uh, you know, when Doug, you sent the text, uh, you know, about the, the opportunity to join you here this afternoon. And uh, it, it's always refreshing. I, uh, makes me feel like i'm back home at least for a few minutes uh we're doing well we're we're doing well it's been a whirlwind uh you know anytime you take a job is as you know even in your own professions that uh and then taking a job like we did in early may and and getting to know a team and everything else and then uh you know jumping into the power five level of football is 
you know, continues to be something that uh, you know, we're embracing, enjoying, and learning as we go through. And uh, um, we're going to start spring practice uh, really a week from this uh, this Monday on the 28th of February. So it, it's really a never-stop mode for us. You know, when we had you in, and I remember one time asking you off the air as we were walking to the door, I said, boy, you ever get your chance at Division One? I? I mean, I mean, because you've had so much success at Whitewater. I mean, and you were, I know you were doubtful of that opportunity. Um, were you, still were you surprised? And then, you know, you had su- the, the great success at Buffalo, and you now you got the shot at Kansas. But, I mean, you you did what a lot of guys never had the opportunity, and you got a chance to make that jump and prove you can coach on that Division One level. Yeah, you you bring up, a you know, a great point and great memory because, you know, I've I feel really blessed and blessed in so many different ways, to be honest, for this opportunity. Danny White was the athletic director at, at Buffalo at the time, now the athletic director at Tennessee that, you know, took a shot and, and really at our national convention and, and for coaching each and every year, that very, the first year I was able to go back, uh, the amount of coaches that at the smaller levels that kind of said, Hey, we're pulling for you because I, I think it's for that reason. And, Many times in in this profession, if you're at the lower levels and you're you're kind of labeled that that you can't recruit at this level or you can't coach at this level, and uh, I'm really proud of you know that we've been able to keep the nucleus of guys together. Brian Bowen and I are going on the 16th year together, and uh, you know it's been fun and it and it's great to see and and you know after a few years at Buffalo, you know there towards the end we were starting to really turn the corner. Um, more and more times, at least getting in some conversations, were starting to present themselves. And and really, when this job opened, I felt just because back in area of the country that I lived 13 years in Nebraska, uh, my wife's from Omaha, a lot of different things. I really thought that this was the fit, and uh, it's really turned out to be that way so far. Take me inside uh, what your locker room was like on November 13th when you guys knocked off Texas, because that made everybody in the country stand up and say, well, maybe something is starting, because it takes a while, but maybe something is starting to turn around in Lawrence. Yeah, it, you know, wow. It, it's something to, to see, you know, the excitement, the celebration, all those things, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to say next. You, try, you know, it's one of those They've worked so hard, and, and these guys have been through so much. It's like, hey, just just let them go, let them enjoy the moment. Um, yeah, it was a um, a lot of dancing, a lot of celebrating, a lot of tears, even of of joy. Um, you know, guys, we this situation has been so unique, and and really in many ways unfortunate with um, the lack of continuity um, within the program really within athletic administration, things like that. Uh, we've had players um, that had four position coaches in a semester. Wow. Earl Bostic, our, our left tackle, um, he, he told me during the season that Scott Fuchs, our offensive line coach, is his ninth position coach since he's been here. I mean, and, and with that, it's a different style. Somebody else to get to know I mean, let's face it, as a society, especially, uh, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, trusting people is, is more and more challenging. And when you have different faces all the time, it, it it's tough to know who to trust and how long they're going to be there to help you reach your goals. So we've had a lot of underlying things that we've been working through. And, uh, I really have to commend our players for working through that and, and, and working to believe in that and to see that pay off. 
not only was that a celebration of winning on the road at Texas for the first time, we're a one in eight football team going down to play at that moment. And, and uh, where many people kind of play out the string and go through the motions for us to play well and play hard. It was something that uh, I'll, I'll never forget. And that's for sure. And it's really kind of helped propel us, um, you know, here as we are in the off season. And then there was this time in late October, I'm milling around the house. You got ESPN on college football, and they go back to the studio show. I'm doing some stuff, and and you know they go back to the studio and they go, "There's an upset brewing with Oklahoma on the ropes, taking on Kansas." And Kansas was up like seven. You guys are up like seventeen, fourteen on tenth ranked Oklahoma, and you guys were a heavy, heavy underdog. And we we had to go to shopping to the mall, and I told my girlfriend, I said. I gotta, I gotta see the rest of this game. I gotta see if I explained it to her, you know, Lance and all that. And I said, I gotta see if he's gonna pull this off. So he, you know, and then they they pulled away into beat you. But I mean, you, you had Oklahoma. I mean, you, we talked about the Texas game, but you had Oklahoma on the ropes too. Yeah, we did. We were up ten nothing at half, and it was one of those days. It was as as the season was starting to turn into fall, and it was a cloudy day, and mm-hmm. it was going to be that, and and you know we're. You know, we, we've got to give our fans a reason to come, and we're not drawing as as well as we'd like. And I told the team, I said, this is going to be, you got them at the right time, okay? We're kicking off at 11 o'clock in the morning. You've got some things, and if you make some things happen early, um, you know, you're going to give them everything that they can handle. Mm-hmm. Boy, we came out with a great drive to start the game and score, and, 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 we put in a little wrinkle defensively on a third down and get a big sack. And the next thing you know, our guys were, were really rolling. Um, you know, the quarterback for them made a heck of a play with the, you know, it was fourth down. We had a stop and he, and he really just took the ball away from the running back and went and got the first down. And it was right in front of me. It was like, boy, was it a hedgy play. And it was one of those that you're hoping was going to be reviewed in our favor. And we would have had to stop and a chance to hold on for the win, but it didn't turn out that way. But again, uh, a small building block of, of some things of confidence and things that show that when when we keep getting better, we get a little bit older. We're the youngest Power Five football team in the country, the third youngest overall. Um, and and when we continue to grow and learn from those moments, uh, we'll have brighter days. Is there a formula for turning around a culture of losing to a culture of winning? You you started, as you mentioned before, to do that at Buffalo. They had never been ranked. They had never gone to a bowl game until you got there. Uh, I'm reminded that Barry Alvarez, it took him a few years to get Wisconsin back to being a Rose Bowl caliber team. Is there a formula, though, from taking a program from what you took the Jayhawks to to a place where you want them to get? Well, I think, you know, back in the early 90s there, I was fortunate to be a graduate assistant for, for Coach Alvarez in the, that 91, 92. And, of course, the, you know, really would be the, the 93 season what really catapulted that, that program. But it was really those years before and, and the attention to detail and, and, and building an attitude and a toughness that, that you're going to go about doing it. I, you know, everyone's got their own blueprints. And as college football has continued to change now with transfers and other things, it's gonna it's gonna modify those blueprints, but for us, it's I think within our culture is uh, you know we talk about culture being action. It's what you do every day. You just don't put a bunch of words on the wall or and mention them every so often. You've got to go out and do it. And I think the thing that our our players have seen and our staff has embraced is that 
it's it's consistency every day of doing the little things right, whether it be from punctuality to nutrition to your work ethic of what's expected, your practice habits, your sleep habits, and and how you carry it over into academics. And and I think our players have seen that. And what they've been through is one of the things when I met with them in the first week of May is that they wanted they wanted to be accountable. They wanted more structure, and they needed that, and and they're embracing it. And for us. I think as we continue to do that, those are going to be the small things that will help us slowly get over the hump. Our friend Lance Leipold joining us, the former Whitewater coach, went to Buffalo, now doing great things at Kansas. And, you know, I mean, you hear about, you know, Kansas basketball school, and, you know, obviously we know about the basketball program and, and all that, one of the Blue Bloods, obviously. Um, but, you know, what when you come there uh, to Kansas and you have to build a program up, what are some of the things you need to do? I mean, do you look at the program? And Les Miles was before you, and you know he, we, you know, there were some issues there. But you came back, and and you had to start from the ground level. Where do you start? I mean, what? How? 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 You know, as Doug was asking about the culture. Where? There's like so many directions you need to go there, right? Right, and and the thing was, we missed spring practice, and that's the thing where. You know, it was a clean slate for everybody, but unfortunately, we had nothing to evaluate to really go on as we change some things schematically and do some things. But you mentioned the basketball program, and and Coach Self is, has been wonderful. Um, you know, within within 45 minutes probably of accepting this job before I even got on a plane to come to Lawrence, I had a call from Bill Self, and 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 he has been. He knows how important it is for football to be successful. Mm-hmm at Kansas, at the Power 5 level for our athletic department. So, again, watching the environment in Allen Fieldhouse, which is second to none um, on on a game day, we've got to be able to find a way to give our fan base the opportunity to take that same excitement um, into uh, Memorial Stadium here. So we we want to do that. And, and it, again, it's it's kind of a clean slate for the guys that, that have been through some things, Chuck. And, and when I say you get a clean start to prove yourself, you're going to work and, mm-hmm. and we're not going to worry about the past. We're, you know, you've got to find some small victories, but we're not going to live in a world of moral victories either. And, and we've got to find things to show improvement in what we're doing. I mean, we're a two and 10 football team, but at the end of the year, I know we're playing a lot better and a higher level than that record shows. So now we've got to catapult that into this spring and, and try to find a way to get, get ourselves in even a better position. Some news of the day, I suppose. The college football playoff expansion is on hold. It will still be four teams until at least 2026. Is that something that you and your athletic department and your administration talked about at all? Did you did you kick around uh, how you would like uh, you know University of Kansas to proceed when, when their turn came to you know, throw their arm up and, and say what we would like to have happen? Yeah, you know, we talk about it some. You know, I you know I can remember, you know, you know, guys, I probably talked about with you guys when I was at Whitewater. Should there even be a playoff and what should it be and how many teams? And I said, as soon as you get the two or four, you're going to want eight or 12 and, and those things. As you know, at Whitewater, there's 32 teams in the Division Three playoffs and winning five playoff games each and every year is a long grind, and it's and it, but it also shows that you can weather through that. Um, yeah, I was hoping that they would they would look for expansion. I, I think we'll get there. I think, uh, as we know, the the television contracts are are controlling a lot of things, and I think there'll be a a point that they'll they'll, they'll find a way to do it. Whether it be will 
conference championships essentially be the first round. I mean, I, I do think that there will be some benefits someday for home playoff site games. I, I'm not saying that Georgia would not have beaten Michigan, but it would have been interesting if it had been played in Ann Arbor at the end of de- December. I, I think there's some things that are going to try to neutralize some things across the board if we get to some bigger uh, a bigger playoff uh, you know, format and, and see where that takes us. But at the same time, for, for a place like Kansas and where we are as a program, you know, we want to fight our ways and, and just like we did at Buffalo and to, to get a bowl experience and have that for our student athletes for something that they can remember. Because I still think in some way, shape, or form, that can be a positive uh, way for uh, a season to end and touch for a program that, that's maybe been down like us for a while. Have you seen a kick up maybe in ticket sales and all that going in the next season? Uh, and I know you talked about how empty the place was and you know there hasn't been a lot of tradition before you came there. Do you see a little bit more of that growing even after a year? Yeah, you know, I don't see the exact numbers, Chuck, but they've told me lately as things have been a lot of positivity of, of where we're at mm-hmm. as things. I, I think, uh, again, when I talked about us personally, um, we saw it as a good fit. Uh, my wife and I did. Our staff did. I, I think, uh, you know, we've been received in a very favorable manner of that. Our, our, our approach, I guess, of, for a better uh, lack of a better word, is, is receptive and fitting here. And I think they're starting to see that progress made late in the year. And um, we talk about it a lot. Uh, you know, there's in many cases, it's a, it's chicken and the egg, you know, and, you know, we need fans here to help create the environment to help us with recruiting atmospheres, all those different things. But a fan base needs to see production before they're going to, you know, sit down and, uh, you know, throw the credit card out and, and buy season tickets. So it, it's hand in hand. And, uh, but I, but I feel confident that we're on the right path. Have you had Gilbert Brown in your office yet? <laughs> no, I haven't, but you know, Daryl stuck. He's a former NFL player, but he's one of our, he works here in our player development with our with our men and alumni relations, and I know our radio people actually uh, reached out to Gilbert once for for uh, our coach for for my coach's show weekly, and and he asked a question one time, and you know uh, it's kind of a guess who the former Jayhawk was to the to the crowd, and he gave a little shout out, and I told him we got to get him here, and uh, he said most definitely. So that will be something done here in the very near future is to get the Grave Digger back up uh, into Lawrence. Do you ever get a chance to come back to Wisconsin, maybe specifically uh, Jefferson County? Well, I haven't lately. Unfortunately, my, my father passed away about a year uh, it's a year ago this week, in fact. Uh, last time I was back when we actually, you know, through COVID and everything else, actually, uh, the, the you know, you know, put his remains to rest was uh, probably last Memorial Day. That's been the last time I've been able to back. I, I hope maybe there'll be a trip maybe this summer sometime, but uh, it's been a nonstop really for us, uh, you know, since we got here. Our, our our daughter actually is a senior in college and she's graduating, so there's other things like that that we have to go, but I do miss it. I'm, I'm You know, one of these days I'm going to get back for Summerfest as well. Well, when you do that, look us up and the first beer's on us. Yes. Deal. Deal. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. And well, you're going to have to bring that Big 12 championship trophy in with you as well. I hope, I hope that thing travels well. <laughs> yeah, if, if, 
when that happens, it's coming with me to a lot of different places. Let's <laughs> uh, appreciate the time. This has been great catching up with you. Continued success. I know it's uh, you know one step uh, after the other, and you know you were two and ten last year, as you uh, mentioned, but making incremental steps and, and playing better at the end of the year. That win over Texas got everybody's attention, and uh, boy, I, I you know how I feel about you. I think that you, you're just a winner wherever you go. And it's going to be short order until you get those stands filled uh, and and playing winning football in front of your fans in Lawrence. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Doug, for asking. It's good to hear your voice. I wish you, all the listeners out there, going back in Wisconsin, all the best. And uh, be safe. And uh, we'll do it again soon, okay? You got it, Coach. Thank you. Looking forward to it. There he goes, Lance Leipold, uh, head football coach at the University of Kansas. Yeah. One of us. Yes, that's yeah. what you like. You like to see guys that are from here do big things. And again, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I've got some friends that are Kansas fans, and they love Lance Leipold. You know, if if he would still if he was still at Buffalo, okay, um, that would have been a heck of a run. I mean, going from Whitewater to Buffalo and doing the things he was two time coach of the year in the MAC conference, you know, getting it done there. But now even having to go a step further in being in a Power Five conference in a toughest one of the toughest places to win of all the Power Five schools, but um, you know you can go nowhere but up there. That's the good thing. Yeah, sometimes and, that's the best kind of coaching job when you can go nowhere but up. Well, that's why I asked him about you know turning around a culture of losing to yeah. a culture of winning. It's one of the most difficult things to do. But if he saw it and he did as a graduate assistant yeah. at Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez, well, there's your blueprint right there. Well, Barry did it at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, did. you know, he talked about the culture there and how he turned it around, and obviously, look what they are now. Yeah, they're one of the most consistent programs in the entire country. Thanks to Lance Leipold for joining us here on the Drew and KB Show without Drew or KB. I'm Doug. He's Chuck. We're back in a flash. Could you whisper in my ear? The Drew and KB show rolls on without Drew or KB. They're in Mexico. They're coming back home tomorrow, assuming everybody passes their COVID tests for international travel. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in. Almost ready to put hour number one to bed. Thanks to Lance Leipold for joining us. Two more hours to go. Uh, By the way, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Doug Russell. Traditional spelling. And Chuck is at Chuck Freeman. F-R-E-I-M-U-N-D. You shouldn't have to even hesitate, Russ. You've known me for so long and... People still get my name wrong, though. I, well, I, when I Even, spell it out, when I write it out, I know it's E-I. Mm-hmm. And then, but I'm I'm a visual person, so I have to look at it to know. That's the only part of it. It's, it's the mm-hmm. E and the I, which I'm sure gets screwed up all, all the, the time. time. People put D's in there and all that. And, uh, you know. Like Friedman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I get Russell sometimes with one L. And <laughs> no, no, that's no, pretty, no, it's two. I would, I would think yours is pretty easy to pronounce. I not not only pronounce, but I mean to spell. It's See, easy it, to pronounce. Yes, to well, spell. You know, when I, everybody puts one. I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people put one L on the end. Nobody spells it. Nobody spells it correctly with one. Well, L, when I first met you back in the day, I thought it was a radio name. I thought maybe your middle name nope. was Russell and your last name was Stanislavski. Nope, it's my given name. Yep. Well, it's the only. I mean, well, I know that. I'm not. I'm not bright enough to. Come up with another name, but because I'm sure, I just forget it. But you know, I'm sure there are some radio guys in the country who are Doug Russell. I don't know if they're. I don't know. That's a good yeah. question. You know, if there's another radio guy, because I know I work. I used to have a producer named Greg Hill, uh-huh. uh, and there is a Greg Hill who is a big time 
sports host on WEEI in Boston. Sure, yeah. So there's two Greg Hills. But yeah. that, again, that's a name that's not uncommon. Like Doug Russell, it's not an uncommon name. But yeah. yes, it it is my real name. Yeah, any leftover talk in Texas that uh, about Pottawa or anything else we talked well, about in the first the, hour? Well, talked about fast food, too. Uh, yeah, well, I, I to the uh, uh, Twitterverse, uh, Anderson writes, it's been great listening to you all week. Great job, gentlemen. So mm-hmm. appreciate that, Anderson. Uh, Buster McNally writes, uh, hopefully Chuck continues the ongoing discussion of how much he dislikes his gal's daughter. I mean, so that that was that, that was a nice tweet that, that came Yeah, that in. was some earlier in the week. Yeah, <laughs> no. uh, I'm kind of... When the, when, the, when the need arises, maybe we'll get back at that. All right. Uh, let's see. Thanks to you guys from the other day. I'm in Oakland uh, Euros right now getting yours for tonight. Okay, he's getting, he's getting tonight. Oh, did he say which one is he at? Is he at the Oakland or the Leighton? Yeah, the one at Oakland. I almost went over there again today. It's so good. I almost went. I almost did it twice in one week. I was so hungry. I ended up getting a burrito, but I was uh, tempted. It's a little bit of a haul for me, but mm-hmm. uh, one of these days I do have to go back to Oakland. Yeah, it's been it's been a hot minute. It uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, though, there's an Arby's by my house, so I can get my fix there. I was going to get an Arby's today too, because I thought of what you said about the two for. Two for six uh, euros there, but yeah, opted for the burrito instead. Thinking about maybe going out to eat tonight on a Friday night, maybe a fish fry. Who knows what we're gonna what we're gonna do? But um, you know, the Bucks last night uh, lost to Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid, who I think is just, um, I know mean, I call him um, half speed Embiid because he's most of the time he's going to half speed. Now he tore up the Bucks last night, and someone asked me. Who would you rather have, Giannis or Embiid? That's not even a question. That's a dumb question. It is. I mean, please. Who's a gamer? Who's the guy who's going to get the job done? Who hustles? Who's got a ring? Yes, Embiid. <laughs> Wait to the point. Who's the hey, guy Embiid who's, and Harden? Who's the guy who spent <laughs> half his career on the injured list? Yeah, Embiid. Embiid. I'm watching his press. I'm. 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 You know, covering the game last night, and everything's on Zoom. I'm doing some work for AP, and I'm on this conference call with Embiid last night, and he's just talking about how great of a player he is, and he's comparing himself, his game to Kobe, and I just want to jump in and say, please, Joel, please, yeah. you are nothing like Kobe. Yeah, well, you might knock down a couple of lucky three-pointers once in a while, but you, <laughs> no. I know Kobe. I work with Kobe. You, sir, are no Kobe. Well, yes. Bucks coming up. Straight ahead, Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in for Drew and KB. Also, we'll change gears and talk some Badgers hoops. Ben Wargle's going to join us in the next hour as well from BadgerBlitz.com. Stay with us. Hour number two underway of the Drew and KB show. Without Drew or KB, they'll be back on Monday. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman. With you, you can hit us up on the PellaWI.com talk and text line, 414-799-1973. Back out to the talk and text line. We were talking about a number of things in our number one, including why fast food joints can't uh, stay open past 2 p.m. sometimes. There was a place that we actually ordered from last night that was open later than it had been. They had started closing at 4 p.m. for the same reason. Fast food? Um, kind of in in between. Okay, kind of in between fast food. It's not you know formal sit down or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's I wouldn't put it. It doesn't have a drive through. Okay, put it that way. And I don't think any other stores have a drive through. Um, this is from the six hundred eight. No one ever considers existing employees. So you have some teenager wanting fifteen bucks, and old Joe has seven years seniority and makes seventeen. Small businesses can't afford to raise Joe's pay rate and pay. 
and essentially worthless and trained a new employee. Well, he's absolutely right. He's right. Well, I think you just got to get more creative. I mean, that's why they've been closing because sometimes you can't afford – if it's a small mom-and-pop shop, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they can't afford to uh, put in higher wages for new employees. Mm-hmm. That, that makes it certainly more challenging. But then again, you look at a place – you were mentioning Chick-fil-A. They pay 16 bucks to some of these kids, and they're always full. So it's what people can afford versus what people are going to buy. And, and sometimes, you know, we can't eat till late at night. You know, we're talking after 9 or 10 mm-hmm. o'clock, I mean, I mean on, a, on a weekend, okay? and But some of these places are closing early, and it's like, man, we're literally driving around sometimes looking for a place to grab something to eat. Now, you do time at, you know, restaurants that still open until 10, 11 o'clock at night. Sometimes they don't on a Friday or Saturday night, and it's because they don't have enough help. Jules in Pewaukee writes, guys, last week I pulled up to a Wendy's. A person said, sorry, we're closed due to a lack of staff. I said, okay, then left thinking, did I just get pranked? What was the worker doing? Just collecting a paycheck with no work? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we also spoke about the Bucks right at the end of hour number one as well. The Bucks losing to the 76ers last night. So they go into the NBA All-Star break. And that was a game that they certainly had their chances to win. We'll get to that in a second. So at the break overall, if you want to look at big picture, just 22 games left in the regular season. They take the all-star break, not like baseball does in the middle of the season, but they take it about three-quarters of the way through. The Bucks are 36-24. and 24. They're in fifth place in the East. But the way that the East is, the top five teams, only two and a half games separate one through five, and the top eight teams are only separated by seven games. So it's not like you look at that fifth place, I guess, first or three-quarters of the way through the season, you know, point that the Bucks are at right now, it's not the end of the world. They can turn this thing around, but moreover than anything else, along mm-hmm. with a couple of sloppy possessions at the end of the game last night, I just look at them as a different team without Brooke Lopez in the lineup. And when you can get Brooke back, and hopefully they can get him back at some point before the playoffs begin, I don't know that there's any team in the East that wants to face Milwaukee when they're at full strength. Oh, still. yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, and how's Brooke going to be when he does come back? He's going to come back from back surgery, not playing all year long. Uh, you know, this is why they went out and got Ibaka. Um, the Bucks to me, are Russell, are still the team to beat the Eastern Conference. Not that team last night we saw, Philadelphia. And I think <laughs> them getting Harden just, I like the Bucks even more now that Philadelphia's got Harden. Because Harden, people are finally starting to pile on this guy a little bit. But I've been telling people for years about Harden, you know, how he's lazy. and he, I mean, We saw him against the Bucks last year in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. th- thank you for Harden being on that team because uh, he, he shot Brooklyn right out of that game or any hope of winning uh, that game in Brooklyn last year, that game seven. You can't win with James Harden. He's no, a great can't. individual talent, yeah. but he demands too much. He wants to play nothing but iso ball, doesn't want to play defense. He's not, you know, people give uh, assist statistics. He's not a good passer. He's just not a complete player. He's a great shooter, maybe the best shooter in the NBA. That's possible. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, Steph I, is having Steph, a better year. Steph is great, but he's in the top two or three. Uh, Harden, no, I mean Harden can shoot teams right out of games. Uh, bad shot selection. Another guy though, when he's on a roll, he's on a roll. I, I get that, and we know that with Harden, but. Um, James, you know, Embiid last night was talking about, well, you know, uh, James just being on this road trip, he's giving us that extra energy. Oh, God, that's going to end badly. 
That always does. That's going to end badly in Philadelphia. And then, so you're trading trash for trash between the free-falling Brooklyn Nets and mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Philadelphia 76ers who, you know, trust the plan. And, you know, they had a vision. I'll give them credit. I'll give Daryl Morey, their general manager, a lot of credit because, you know, he, he's tried to build a team mm-hmm. of superstars. And when they drafted Joel Embiid out of the University of Kansas, ironic because we had Lance Leipold on last hour, but when they drafted Embiid, they knew that he wasn't going to play for a while because he's just got these bad legs. Mm-hmm. And he spent so much time on the injured list. Yes, he's an MVP candidate this year, but he just kind of plods around the floor. When he's on, he's as stout as anybody. But when he's not able to play and you've only got James Harden that's out there. I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years with Ben Simmons, who's a terrible shooter. A great defender, but a terrible shooter. I, I just don't see this as a complete team right now in Philadelphia, and to your point, Chuck, and I agree with you, they bring in James Harden, and whatever lift you might get off the bench in the early going, he's just going to blow up chemistry because that's what he does. Yeah, and with Embiid, you know, Embiid's going to want his shots. Embiid is, uh, you know, again. He's no shrinking violet. No, when he is, I mean, physically gifted. I mean, you look at him, he's physically gifted. But now, you know, we're talking about a guy who doesn't have great shot selection, thinks he's a point guard. Um, he's not Kobe. He thinks he's Kobe Bryant. He's not Kobe Bryant. <laughs> what uh, stupid thing to say. Yeah, he, oh my, I, you know, I kind of patterned my game after Kobe. Come on. Well, you didn't do a very good job. No, put it that no way. You, I mean, you're seven foot. You're not, you know, you um Pattern your game after Shaq if you're a seven-footer. Yeah. But you know, he, you want to play a power game? Okay, but he wants to be somebody who flies up and down the floor like Giannis. I but, mean, there's only one Giannis. And and that is today's NBA, though, Doug, where these big guys, you know, he, he learned the game when he was 16, Embiid. And, you know, so he didn't get a chance to fall in the bad habits there. They didn't just say, big fella, get down on the block. You know, he steps out, but, you know, he's not a great – again, sometimes he can hit those shots, but you could live with it. If I have Embiid taking 20-footers, I could live with that. You know, him doing the drop step, he's got nice feet work and all that. Um, I just, I don't think you can win a championship with Embiid as your guy. And certainly, they're not beating the Bucks in a seven-game series. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Mm-hmm. Until last year, they said the same thing about Giannis. About? Can't win a championship with him. They, he can only get you so far in the regular season. But I think, here's the deal. Giannis was great last year in the postseason, but people... I don't know if they do or don't, but maybe they do. My perception is overlook what Chris Middleton did in the postseason last year. Mids, another guy who got ripped repeatedly yes, for his postseason struggles at by times. Yours truly, I did. I went after him many times. I did last year too, but Mids delivered in the post in the NBA Finals last year. Middleton's got a lifetime pass for me. He's struggling right now with his shot. But I ain't going to rip him because he won an NBA championship. How long does the lifetime pass truly go? Not, no, not just for forever. Middleton. Like, let, let's extrapolate this out just a little bit because the Bucks engendered so much goodwill mm-hmm. last year. And there's so many different narratives of Kevin Durant and his you know, shoe size and everything like that, which I nonsense. Uh, but Mike Budenholzer, the rumor was that if they don't at least get to the NBA Finals, Budenholzer is out on his ass. Uh, the narrative that I just mentioned about Giannis not being able to quote unquote win the big one after the Bucks lost in the second round uh, in the bubble to Miami the year prior, uh, despite taking an incremental step, a big incremental step the year prior to that. But you know Giannis was entering what a seventh season in the NBA and still hadn't really won anything yet. Never mind that that's about when Michael Jordan started to win championships. To me, 
hoisting that trophy is something that is so special and doesn't happen ever here in Milwaukee. You talk about the lifetime pass. I take that at face value. To me, Mike Budenholzer, no matter what happens from here on out, has a lifetime pass. No matter what happens. Giannis, even if he leaves, even if he demands a trade at some point, even if he leaves after another four years after the Supermax expires and the Bucks go into a rebuilding mode and he wants to go somewhere else, he has a lifetime pass Would you have me. said the same thing with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay or not because they had won championships already? I don't have anything bad to say about Mike McCarthy. Okay. I mean, at the end, though, were you At like... the end, it was, a, it was a relationship that had run its course, mm-hmm. and there needed to be a change. And it's going to say... I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that Mike... I'm not saying that Mike Budenholzer, you know, should keep his job forever. What I am saying is he's engendered enough goodwill, mm-hmm. with me anyway... That no matter how this ends, because at some point he will not be the head coach of the Bucks, whether it's his choosing or ownership's choosing, every relationship comes to an end. As I sometimes have said, the best relationship, the most successful relationship ends with somebody in a pine box um, because you just outrun it all. Mm-hmm. But every relationship still does come to an end. And to me, Mike Budenholzer will always, no matter what, at least be thought of well, even if there is a relationship on the team that has its natural end and you know there is a, a parting of the ways. All these guys, look at all the sports. They all go on. You think they're going to be here for a while because they've had success. Don Nelson coached in a few other spots. That ended ugly. What's that? With Nelly? Nelly and the Bucks. Well, Nelly and Herb. Well, Nelly and Herb, but remember, Nelly is the... He got that team to the playoffs in mm-hmm. in eighty seven, sure. And then you know it was time for him to go to Golden State, um, and then Dell took over. And I think Nelly saw the the, ro- the I think Nelly saw the run was ending. All right, and Dell certainly did when Dell stepped down, um, and Frank took over. Um, but you look at McCarthy went on to coach somewhere else. Holmgren went on to coach somebody uh, somewhere else. These guys all eventually, and Bo- you know Budden Budenholzer, he's going to be you know. Five years from now, whenever it's going to be, you know he's going to be coaching somewhere else someday, and he'll be coming back. And oh, Mike Budenholzer in won an NBA championship here in you know the summer of twenty twenty one. But you know, back to that run uh, that the Bucks made, and you said about Giannis and and I mentioned Middleton. There were a lot of people who had a hand in it. That, that truly was a team thing. Sure, you had Middleton and Giannis leading the way, but you know Portis did his part. Um. You know, P.J. Tucker did his part. Absolutely. Lopez did his part. Pat Connaughton certainly mm-hmm. did. You know, when they're down 32-16 to 16 in Phoenix in Game 5, Giannis is on the bench, and Connaughton and a bunch of other guys just stepped up because that thing was slipping away fast. And, you know, they they rallied back quick and, and took the lead uh, with Giannis on the bench. So that truly, everybody, a lot of guys contributed to that NBA championship, um, including, you know, obviously your two centerpieces, Middleton, and Giannis, but um, I don't remember right how we got the lifetime pass thing. But Middleton gets a lifetime pass. For me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I, I just think it's one of those interesting things because I've always, you know, wondered the question and, and posed the question, and now, now perhaps it's relevant from the standpoint that it just happened in the NFL when you mortgage your entire future mm-hmm. for the the ch- the, the shot. At winning a championship. Nobody's ever going to be able to take that championship away from the Los Angeles Rams. Now, they now have to pay for it, though. And they're going to be paying for it without any first-round picks for the next, what, three years mm-hmm. or so. But you know what? They're laughing all the way. People ask, was it worth it? Hell yeah, it was sure worth it. it. Yeah. Of course it was worth it. If the Rams go 1-16 in 
next year. It was worth it. I don't think they're going to. But even if they you know, don't make it to the playoffs next year, just the chance to hoist that trophy, I mean, that's permanent. Yeah. If, you, if the Packers are in salary cap hell because of a contract they give Aaron Rodgers, but he leads them to the Super Bowl, or what you give the Devontae Adams, but he leads them to the Super Bowl, well worth it. I'll take that. Absolutely. Um, Mike in the Bay writes, you sure, Doug? Look at Kareem when he wanted out. What about? Well, what's he talking about? I'm not sure. The lifetime pass. Kareem has a lifetime pass. At least he does with me. Well, yeah, he won an NBA championship here. You wish, you know, you'd like to see him if he could have stayed longer. Um, But what happened? You know, he saw that they were getting bad, and he left for a couple of other different reasons. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I... Kareem gets a standing ovation when he walks into the Pfizer Forum now. Yeah, but I think a lot of those guys who are given the standing ovation don't understand. You know, they they weren't given him the standing ovation no, in the seventies and eighties when he was the Lakers. True. You know, when he punched uh, when well, he punched Kent Benson, nobody was giving him the standing ovation when our overall number <laughs> probably one probably should have. He knew something the rest of us didn't yet. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, here you know, Benny was never the same. Benny and, was never that good. Well, Benny shouldn't have been the overall number one pick anyway. But Agreed. The best, th- the best thing they got out of Benny was trading him for Bob Lanier. And Bob Lanier only lasted four years. But you know what? That, that was a big is, four years, though. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you start to unpack a little bit whether or not, you know, who should have their number really retired at Pfizer Forum. And I look at Bob Lanier, I'm like, Ehh. Yeah, but he was, when they brought Lanier in, he was that one more piece that they needed. Now, they couldn't get over the hump, but... Not nothing that you know. Lanier was a warrior out there, but you look at all those guys off those teams in the late seventies and early eighties. They got their jerseys retired. Winters, Moncrief, Lanier, Marcus Johnson, Junior Pritchard. They got five of those guys off those, on on one of those teams. Yeah. Nothing. No. Yeah. Uh, Mike writes back. Everybody hated Kareem when he left. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's and, that's fine. But look at where he is now. Sure. And and I think well, look at everybody who hated Paul Molitor when he left. And they didn't understand the economics of why he left. The Brewers lowballed him. Mm-hmm. The Brewers insulted him with an offer. And by the time they finally came back around to arbitration, as we were talking with Tom Hardercourt on yesterday's show, by the time they finally came back and came correct on it to just offer him arbitration, number one, to quote Mike McCarthy, the train had left the station at that point. And number two, it was only so they could get some compensation in terms of a draft pick yeah. for for Molitor. They thought, and I don't know if they truly thought, Sal Bando and Bud Selig, I don't know if they truly thought that Paul Molitor would take such a hometown discount to come back to the Brewers. But, you know, you look at Devontae Adams right now. To me, Devontae Adams is one of those all-time great Packers, no matter what happens this offseason. But he said it best when he was asked the question, what do you consider a hometown discount? The T in discount hadn't come out of the reporter's mouth yet, and Devontae was saying, absolutely not. No, and he shouldn't. He's not from here to begin with. He was drafted here, and he's played here. But these guys, you know what? If he can get a deal with the Chicago Bears, yeah, that doesn't. I mean, he's, you think he's going to think twice about, okay. I mean, that's a job. It's a job. He's, you know, they, they don't, these guys, you know, they don't care what team they're playing on. Sure, they want to play on a winner, okay. But if the jersey is Chicago Bears and he's getting $25 million and he's got a chance to, you know, be productive down there, he doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, you look at anybody who's from here when they get drafted and go somewhere else. J.J. Watt, all of a sudden, you know, you see John and Connie, who had been wearing Packers gear, I'm sure. All of a sudden, they're Texans fans. Right now, they're Steelers and Cardinals fans mm-hmm. because that's where their kids play. Oh. Uh, you look at Joe Schobert, uh, you know, who started his career in Cleveland and went to Jacksonville. Now he's in Pittsburgh. And 
Mr. and Mrs. Schobert back in Waukesha who sent their boy to Waukesha mm-hmm. West. You know what jerseys they're wearing? Ain't Packers jerseys. No, and, and on the same talk with these teams, well, you know, when J.J. was a free agent there, um, Brian Gutekunst is not going to sign J.J. Oh, because he's a nice story. Bring him back no. to Wisconsin. No. Nope. He's going to do what's best for his team. Absolutely. And that's the way the professional athletics works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul Molitor getting a single boo at County Stadium Back in the day, or Kareem getting a single boo at the arena back in the day, that's eh, unacceptable. Well, I think, well, two different stories there. Kareem didn't like the city of Milwaukee. Uh, you know, he didn't like the way certain things were headed here culturally. Uh, and I think that's what bothered some people. He gave the Bucks a year yeah. to, to work out a trade. Yeah, but I'm saying he, you know, the, Molitor wanted to stay. It was the organization that lowballed him. Yeah, and if. Nobody lowballed Lowell Center to stay If here. you're a free agent, if you have the opportunity to work at uh, Widget Store X versus Widget Store Y, and you're working at Widget Store X, and Widget mm-hmm. Store Y comes in and offers to almost double your salary, yeah. you're leaving for Widget Store Y yeah. unless Widget Store X comes in and at least meets the Unless offer. Y is that's, a horribly run that's company. life. Unless horribly, uh, Does, y, you know, it's, a, it's a horribly run company. You don't want to work for them. Yeah, but you're, you're getting money. paid. Yeah, but you don't want to be miserable working at a, a, a bad place. You, you know what? You're getting yours. Everybody... Mm-hmm. This is that's capitalism. It's you're out for you. You are, but you also want to work in a good atmosphere. Like I'm not going to go to another radio station if I think that place is awful to work. Not at this point in my life. If that place is awful and there nobody's listened to the radio station, I did that once and I made a mistake in my life. I did that once and okay. I made a mistake. Um, well, we're glad to have you now. No, no, no. I'm not talking about my previous stop either. This was you know several, several, several years ago. Way a long time ago. All right. Well, the Wisconsin Badgers, they've uh, got something good going in Madison right now, and I think a lot of recruits would choose to come to Madison if mm-hmm. they would like Ben Wargle, who covers football recruiting and all things basketball for BadgerBlitz.com. He's coming up next. Looking forward to talking to Ben. I am. And Michael Finley getting his jersey retired. About time. This thing seems like it's overdue. Seems like there should be other guys up there. We could talk about that maybe, maybe in the future. Yeah, definitely. You can hit us up on the talk and text line, 414-799-1973. It's the Drew and KB Show without Drew or KB. They're back here on Monday, assuming everybody gets you know COVID cleared when they're in Mexico right now. All that international travel and whatnot. I'm Doug Russell. He's Chuck Freeman. Stay with us. Coming up at the funeral dawn of the long KB Show rolls on without Drew or KB. They're back on Monday. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in until 6 o'clock tonight. So about uh, hitting our stride at the halfway point of our final show of the week. Coming up on Sunday, a noon tip-off. You can hear it uh, on the Badger Sports Network on many of these same stations that we're on, including our Milwaukee flagship, 97.3 The Game. A noon tip-off, the uh, Michigan Wolverines in town, but... Halftime is when something that should have happened a long time ago will happen as number 24 gets raised to the rafters. Michael Finley's number, uh, he played from 1991 to 1995 for Wisconsin, went on to have a 15-year NBA career, was the all-time leading scorer until Orlando Tucker broke that record back in 2007. Currently the vice president of basketball operations with the Dallas Mavericks, working for Mark Cuban down there. and uh, Yeah, he's... Um, Perhaps a general manager in waiting. Yeah. In the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And he'll be in town and he'll get a look at Johnny Davis. 
Johnny Davis has had an amazing season. The Badgers have had an unbelievable run, picked 10th in the Big Ten, and right now they are, what, a half game out of first place. Joining us on the program right now, you can read his great stuff at BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, he's a regular on my football pregame show during the football season on the recruiting trail, but also covers basketball as well. We welcome in Ben Wargle to the Drew and KB show without Drew or KB. Ben, appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Ben. Good, guys. How are you? Well, you know, I'm looking at uh, Coach of the Year honors. Uh, I got a little uh, message today on one of my uh, alerts. It said, oh, John Calipari and Bruce Pearl. Uh, you know, among the you know coaching of the year candidates, and I'm like, what? First of all, let's uh, let's get the guys who are doing the honest work out there, like Greg Gard. And Greg Gard to me is the national coach of the year, as Doug just mentioned, picked for tenth in the conference, and he's got this team in one of the best conferences in America. You could argue the best basketball conference in America, uh, competing for a Big Ten title. How is Greg Gard not the national coach of the year? Well, it's easy to, to coach a team that has a lot of talent. Um, you look at Auburn and the success that Auburn's had, number one in the country for points this year. They have a lot of you know, talented players on their team. Kentucky always recruits well, and so there's always a crop of kids and, and young freshmen who are going to be earning NBA paychecks before too long that Calipari gets to work with. And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And when it works, oh, he's this modern marvel with how he can bring in these freshmen and get them cohesively to play together. And that's that's all well and good. I mean, every coach has their challenges. And, you know, certainly Greg Gard had a big challenge coming into this year. You look at last year's team, 10-10, and 10, the Big Ten, massively underachieved. You lose a lot of uh, seniors from that team who decided to go pro or transfer elsewhere. There certainly was a cloud of uncertainty around this program entering the season because of that leaked uh, audio tape uh, from a I think it was a February meeting between the players and guard uh, that was heavily edited. Just involved the players being critical of guard and coaching different things like that. And so you come into this season, most of those guys, like I said, are gone. They're picked to finish tenth in the Big Ten. There's not a lot of I think, uh, fervor around this team. And, and what do you know? They, they've won 20 games yet again. They are tied for most quad one wins in the country. Um, they're a half game out of first place in the Big Ten, and they're doing it despite being the worst shooting team in the Big Ten uh, overall and one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the Big Ten. They're finding ways to win, um, largely because they're 12-1 and in close games. They're a gritty team. They compete constantly. In any in every game, I can't pick one game this year where they did not compete for 40 minutes. And Greg Gard has done a fantastic job of making some, you know, slight alterations here and there, laying this team get up and go a little bit more. Their tempo is not blazing fast by college basketball standards, but certainly it's been faster than we've seen in a decade and a half around here. Um, he's done a fantastic job, and certainly it helps to have a great player like Johnny Davis. But the development of a number of players, not just Davis, but Tyler Wall, the growth that he's had this year, Stephen Crawl, what he's done, Chucky Hepburn coming in as a true freshman and playing turnover-free basketball in tough environments this year. There's been a lot of really smart coaching moves. There's been a lot of really good development by this team, and I think that's the reason why, that despite the numbers suggesting that they shouldn't be very good, this team is very good, and they're very competitive, and I agree with you. I think Greg Gard is I think, a, a, barring a, a huge collapse here over the course of this last, you know, three weeks or so, Greg Gard will be Big Ten Coach of the Year, and he probably will 
should be our consideration for National Coach of the Year. When you look then at all of the departures after last season, and yes, it was a senior-laden team, but the NCAA, because of COVID, allowed everybody, if they wanted to come back, like Brad Davison, he chose to come back. But all of the guys that left, all of the turmoil that that, uh, took place during last season, and you mentioned the leaked audio tape, I think is probably what Mm -hmm. most people remember, but there were a couple of other things that were thrown in there as well. Do you consider the players that chose to leave kind of addition by subtraction when you look back on it and how everything has kind of played out? Well, I think a couple of guys are ready to go pro. Um, Demetri Trice had proven all he needed to prove at the college level. And I, I think that was, I mean, I, I knew, I think I reported, I was one of the first people to report that he would not be back. And it, it was, that's a, that was okay by the Wisconsin Center because they had a young guy in Chucky Hepburn coming in who they felt very confident in. So I don't want to say that was necessarily addition by subtraction. But you had a number of guys on that team uh, at the forward spot who for whatever reason took huge steps back last year. And there were some issues on that team in the locker room that were more individual first than team first. So when you have an older team, a team that maybe is ready to, a lot of players are ready to move on with their career. They're thinking about professional opportunities or graduation or this or that. Maybe the team aspect gets lost a little bit. And you have a younger team coming in, a wide-eyed group of freshmen, uh, a wide-eyed group of young players who maybe played sparingly last season, who Greg Gardner said were like sponges. They're just ready to absorb everything. You're led by two guys who are ready to compete each and every practice, let alone every game, in Davison and Davis. And it's it's kind of like hitting the reset button to a degree. And I think that, that helped this team that it was basically a new roster. It was a fresh slate for everyone involved to a degree. And I think that has helped this team, that some of the drama that was there last year uh, is gone. So in a way, I guess it's addition by subtraction. There's still some really good players off last year's team that would be great this year. Having a Demetrius Trice back would be good at that depth of the guard spot, certainly. But then you don't have the great season that Chucky Hepburn is having. You know, having Micah Potter back would be a big presence in the low post, but then maybe that kind of stunts the development of, of Stephen Crowell or a Ben Carlson who hasn't who has steadily gotten better after missing basically all of last season with a back injury and then missing time this season with various injuries earlier in the year. He's been playing catch-up for the better part of a year and a half. Um, you see progress with this team, and I think that's been the big key. Last year was really, in my opinion, Wisconsin basketball was very one-note last season. There wasn't a lot of you know excitement around that team. This year's team is so young, you know, you don't, sometimes know what you're going to get from game to game or half to half. And that's what makes this team fun to watch. It makes them encouraged that in crunch time, when their backs are against the wall, they know they have the talent to push themselves across the finish line. And for the most part of the season, they've been able to do that. You know, Chucky Hepburn is, uh, you know, has been so good. I mean, we've you know talked in, in the past about how it's tough for a freshman to start at Wisconsin, uh, but he, he's come in and, He's been great. He's not even. I mean, another thing I think that maybe sometimes gets overlooked. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he just gets. Yeah. Get, I just. I just see like week by week, incrementally, that guy's getting better and better and better. Steady. Yep. He's very steady. He's he's very poised for a true freshman to come into these environments and and play turnover free. I mean, thirty seven minutes against Indiana in a game that Indiana 
pretty much had to win. That was a must-win game for them for their tournament uh, resume, and, and he doesn't have a turnover in 37 minutes. And then that's not abnormal for Chucky Hepper. He's gone many games with limited turnovers. And, you know, he's been scoring more as of late, um, so he's not putting up eye-popping numbers like a Johnny Davis, but he's been, you know, he's been steady offensively. He, he had eight points, four for each shooting. Um, he's been able to rebound a little bit. His assist turnover ratio has been good, very good, I should say, for a true freshman. And he's just a dogged defender. I mean, he does the little things that don't show up in the box score. He's just very smart. He picks up on things. He reads things so well for being a young player in this league when it comes to defensive end of the floor that it's to make this work, you needed a steady presence at point guard. And, you know, talking to Johnny Davis before the season, he had a lot of confidence in what Chucky Hepburn was going to bring, maybe more so than any other player on the roster that he, he did some work in camp at point guard. Johnny Davis did just to be prepared in case he was going to be needed to play the point. But he said, play out. I don't expect to play the point this whole year. Chucky's going to be that good, that consistent for us. And once Johnny Davis has been right, um, Chucky Hepburn has been a huge addition to this team kind of just makes things go. And, and he, and his confidence helps Wisconsin push that tempo a little bit more, and that's helped them in some of these games put up some bigger point totals, get more possessions. And when you give Johnny Davis more possessions, good things have been tending to happen for Wisconsin. Ben Wargel uh, from BadgerBlitz.com joining us here on the Drew and KB Show. Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman in for Drew and KB all this week. Uh, the Badgers men's basketball team at home Sunday taking on Michigan. In your opinion, should Badgers fans be concerned, Ben, with the lack of bench contributions as tournament time gets closer and closer? Well, I think it's certainly an issue. Um, I mean, you look at two games this season where Wisconsin had to dip deeper into the bench because of injuries, and they didn't go well. Um, You know, the game earlier this year against Providence without Johnny Davis, Wisconsin lost. That was the only uh, game they've lost with the margin was under six points. Certainly later on the year against Michigan State without Tyler Wall, um, Wisconsin did not play well and, and, and lost to Michigan State. They were kind of really beaten badly defensively uh, by a Michigan State team that's been kind of schizophrenic here over the last couple weeks. And there's been other games, too, where Davis has been limited and, and hasn't and the offense hasn't played well. I think it was against uh, Nichols where the game was very tight uh, when, when Johnny Davis wasn't able to play because of uh, the flu. So... Uh, you look at the bench right now, it, it's pretty much a, a four-man bench, but Jordan Davis, Lauren Bowman, Ben Carlson, and Chris Bolt. Both playing the most minutes for the most part, but the one problem with Chris is that he tends to rack up the fouls a little bit. It, it happened on Tuesday. It's happened against Purdue. It's happened in other games this year where he will quickly pick up fouls, and that kind of renders him uh, unavailable for long stretches. And after Crowell and Bolt, there's really not a lot of height and physicality in the low post. Ben Carlson, like I mentioned, has done some good things, but in terms of the physicality, he's not there yet. And he knows that. Everyone knows that. So the lack of depth on in the front court bothers me more than the back court. I think Lauren Bowman has done some really nice things here in Big Ten play. Maybe he hasn't scored a ton, but he's picked up some in some other areas that's helped this team. Jordan Davis, too, uh, has, has done some nice things um, from a from a defensive perspective. He hasn't scored a lot either. So I think that's the one area that people look at the bench. Like on Tuesday, Wisconsin scores 74 points. Only two points come from the from the bench, uh, and none on made field goals. So 
there's no secret that Wisconsin is a very starter dominant team at this point mm-hmm. with the five that they've had, the five that they've run with pretty much the whole year. And that's going to be one thing that people are going to probably focus on when they fill out their brackets here in, in less than a month is about how far they're going to put Wisconsin. Um, what happens to this team when they run into a physical team that can get them in foul trouble? How can Wisconsin handle that when their bench, for the most part, hasn't really been able to provide that scoring pop that the Stars have been able to do? Benny, do you see this team uh, as a top-four seed, especially if they win the Big Ten or finish the second? They should get a top-four seed. But, you know, whereabouts do you see the NCAA tournament put these guys? I think they're right on the cusp. Uh, cuss Chuck of, of, of getting that top four and getting a, a berth in Milwaukee, which I think would be big for them, you know, just to play, you know, an hour and a half down the road in front of a lot of home fans. That that home court advantage really lifted them up during that first final four run in Milwaukee when they needed that big comeback against Oregon in I think was that 2014 now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel that long ago. Um, <laughs> you know, they have such a great resume right now. And, you know, you look at what's left for them. You know, you have Michigan. Um, Michigan's, uh, you know, 14-10. You know, not a great record, but they certainly have some really good wins here over the last, you know, week, week and a half. You know, they, they crushed Purdue at home. You know, they beat up on Iowa, uh, I think, last night. Yeah, they won at Iowa. So this will be an important game for them with a lot of depth and talent uh, for, that Wisconsin will take on. Then you have, you know, some there's some landmines in there, too. Uh, Minnesota on the road is a landmine for them. That'd be a bad loss. So you close the year against Nebraska at home. That would be a bad loss. So you have to go to Rutgers next weekend. Rutgers is surging here with the the amount of ranked wins they've won consecutively. I think it's four in a row now over ranked Big Ten teams. And then the big one, they host Purdue in the beginning of March. So there's some opportunities for them to add to that resume with some more quad one wins, and there's a chance for them to kind of dip back a little bit too. If they win a share of the Big Ten, um, certainly I would think that they are a top-four seed. Um, with the profile they've put together, really the lack of a bad loss, the Rutgers loss is the one that's kind of looking uh, looks a little sketchy right now, but if Rutgers keeps winning, you know that loss is going to look better and better. So there's still a lot of basketball left. There's still a lot of movement that's going to happen on this bracket, but I think if the tournament started the day, uh, today, Wisconsin plays, uh, I think, March 18th. I think it's one month from today, on a Friday, oh, in Milwaukee wow. to open the NCAA tournament. And who would have thought that when the season began? One month from today, the NCAA tournament is going to be in Milwaukee. I love that. Ben Wargo from BadgerBlitz.com, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us here on this Friday afternoon on the Drew and KB show without Drew or KB. Ben, appreciate the time so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Benny. Good talk to you guys. Take care. All right, you too. There he goes, Ben Wargle from BadgerBlitz.com. Check out their great stuff. Uh, wonderful Badgers coverage that they have. Basketball, football, everything in between. And he's been doing it for a lot of years. And he's been doing it for Benny a long is. time. Uh, where do you see Wisconsin, Benny? Uh, Benny. Uh, I'm Dust. Russ. <laughs> Benny's gone. Uh, Russ, where do you see Wisconsin? Um, and, and who do you see winning the Big Ten? Well, I, somebody asked me this on the postgame show last week. Because the Big Ten is so bunched up at the top and has been so bunched up, mm-hmm. the way Rutgers has been playing, you know, they could jump up and, and get a couple only of game out. quality wins. Uh, and they kind of did what Marquette did. They had this gauntlet in front of them. They just kind of slayed one team that was ranked after another, after another, after another. And I agree with Ben. Is 
Rutgers improves, that loss is going to look a lot better. I think Wisconsin could win it. They end up the season against Nebraska at home. They've got two home games. One of them is against Purdue at the end of the season. That's so those are going to be difficult games, but I think Wisconsin's got some victories in front of them. I think Illinois, if Kofi Coburn is healthy and playing, I think they're the best team because he creates so many matchup problems in the Big Ten, uh, and certainly Illinois is a, a quality opponent, but they've had a couple of losses that have been a little bit baffling this year. So, I, it, to me, it's really up in the air, and, and Purdue is Purdue. There's who I don't like making predictions because I think they're pretty useless from guys like you and me, but you just look at these teams and the way that they're constructed and the way that they've been playing – it's a wide open field, and that's what makes it really cool. Yeah, I, I think Michigan State um, is going to fade back a little bit. They've been fading. Yes, yeah, yeah they did. Uh, you know, they beat Michigan last weekend, and then they came back this past week and lost at Rutgers. We're talking about Rutgers here. Wisconsin. I wish they had a shot at Illinois at home. You know, they had to go down there and play and lost. And I'd like another shot at uh, Illinois again. You know, he's a tough matchup for Wisconsin. Maybe it's even the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know. Th- Purdue, you know, Purdue, that could be for the Big Ten title right there when Purdue comes to town. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun few weeks uh, here that are in front of us. And, yeah, the NCAA tournament coming back to Milwaukee. What, I didn't realize it was one yeah. month from today. It's I'm, a Friday, It's a Friday, Sunday, Doug. Oh, those are the best. Yeah. Those are the best. The uh, Deer District's going to be bumping. Can't wait for that. He's Chuck. I'm Doug. We're in for Drew and KB. Stay with us. You're getting everything you want You bought a new car and your career's really taking off It's about set to put hour number two to bed Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman in for Drew and KB They'll be back with sports and stuff coming up on Monday Assuming everyone passes COVID protocols to get out of Mexico, but they've been at Sunburn Bowl 3 all week long. Can't wait to hear of all of the shenanigans that took place down in Riviera Maya. Uh, back to the talking text line, Kyle Tosa asked, we were talking uh, with Ben Wargle about Wisconsin basketball, has Alondo Tucker gotten a job since he made a clown out of himself? I don't think so. Has he? I mean, he's got to be working somewhere, I would think. He's well, got to be doing something. Tough for a guy to get a job once you stab the head coach in the back, isn't yeah. it? Yes, it That's, is. Um, who, who you know, you can't trust the guy. You can't. You why would you want to? Hire, you know, if you're a coach out there, I'm, he torpedoed his own coaching career. Yeah, if he wanted to be a coach at some point, he he put all of his eggs in the discontented player basket at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I exactly how his relationship deteriorated with Greg Gard. I'm not entirely sure. I know Jeff Patrikas did a long dive into that in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, and I've got to I've got to go over that with a fine tooth comb because he goes into pretty good detail from my understanding about exactly what all transpired there. But yeah, you can't stab your boss in the back thinking you're going to replace him, and then when you do get found out and fired, not renewed, I guess technically. Nobody else is going to touch you with a 10-foot pole in this profession. No, but he did it to himself. Coaching is all about loyalty. It it's is. It's all about relationships. Well, and when you you know, take your relationship that you had at your alma mater that was, you would think, untouchable and do that to it, yeah, you're not, I mean, what do, you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, that's the deal, Russ. If you have... Um 
you're the head coach, you got to be able to trust your assistants because, of course, you know, a lot of times assistants want to become head coaches. Of course, and your but your head coach can help you maybe somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you you know, you want to, and, and maybe you know, Orion helped Greg Gard get the job at Wisconsin. Okay, <laughs> by stepping down. But yes, I mean Barry Alvarez Dick helped it with uh, uh, Soderberg. Yeah, Soderberg with Brad Soderberg. Yeah, so. Yeah, but that's when you step down in the middle of the season, and Greg Garden has shown that you know, despite all of the haters saying you're not Bo Ryan, Greg Garden's a pretty damn good coach. Oh, God, and he's yes. shown he's a pretty damn good coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, when they lose a game to Michigan State, and then all of a sudden the guard hate comes on, it's like really okay. You're forgetting the win at Purdue. You're forgetting the win. At, I had on the post game show. I think I mentioned this earlier in the week when they lost against Rutgers. I had uh, somebody, the first caller on our on our postgame show, wanting to pin the loss on Greg Gard. It's like, well, Greg Gard didn't go out there and shoot one for nine from beyond the arc. Yeah. That was Brad. No. Uh, you know, bad nights are going to happen shooting. It's not on the coach. If you don't think that Greg Gard is a strong candidate for coach of the year, you're not paying attention. I mean, I'm, I'm talking coach of the year in the country, not just the Big Ten. Um, yeah, doing a, a, a wonderful job, and I always thought he was a good coach. And good X's and O's guys, and you hear Johnny Davis talk about him and Brad and the rest of those guys. Um, you know, he, he put the, he put this team together, and you know, look, you look at all the. I mean, they've had a lot of non conference. You know, they beat Houston. They beat Houston, who's a top. Yeah, you know, was, Houston was top has 10. two losses on the year. One of them still to the Badgers. Yeah. Two hours down, one hour to go. Stay with us. I'm Doug. He's Chuck. We're in for Drew and KB. It's quitting time. But don't quit us. Fourteen hours down, one hour to go this week here on the Drew and KB Show. Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman. It's flown by. Yeah, it's five o'clock on a Friday, and it's uh, quitting you know, time. The weekend is here for people. Yeah, you know, get a little happy hour for people out there. Maybe a little old fashioned at the bar or a brewski. What do you do if you're Aaron Rodgers though, because he's newly single? Well, you know what? That might be a good thing sometimes, because you know when you're newly single, you could just kind of decompress a little bit. Being newly single, and I haven't been newly single in. 15 years, mm-hmm. um, when you're newly single, I mean, the world is your oyster. It is. It really is. And so some details, by the way, are emerging. Not that I want to go down that road again. No, me neither. You know, I 15 years ago, i got to do the math. You know, you're in your early to mid-30s. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you've got a little bit of money, but and most of your debts, hopefully, are paid off. And at that point, yeah, I was I was ready to mingle. As they say, uh, you know, Friday or Saturday night, it's like, what am I going to do? You know, even like ten years ago when I was single, it was like the, you know, twelve years ago, it was like Friday or Saturday night, you yeah. know, doing what you wanted to do, and I mean, you can still technically do what you want to do yeah. now. You're just doing it with somebody else and having fun. Absolutely, know? I'm just too old for the uh, single nonsense. Oh God, yeah, I would. I, you know, the uh, the single scene today, and we have uh, she and I have friends who are single, and you know, our neighborhood, and it's tough out there. It is tough out there. You know, there's bizarro world out there. Uh, it is. There's a bizarro world out there. You know, um, there's been... As be- I get older, when I was in my 30s, it was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I'm approaching 50, eh, no. 
you know, and then, you know, you meet women who, you know, their kids are their world and that's their life. And okay. Yeah, Erica's going to smart up one of these days. She's going to kick me out my ass. Out of curb one of these. She, has, she hasn't done it yet. She hasn't smarted up yet. I know a woman who will not go out on a date with a guy, Russ, until she she asks her son, or, you know, 10 sons, 9, 10 years old. She asks her son, you mind if I go out this Friday, Saturday? And if her son says no, she wants him home, she won't go out. Huh. Mm, okay. Well, Mm, see how that works for her life. I don't know. And your wife isn't going to kick you out. No, she hasn't. You've, you've made it through 10 or 11 years. You're good. It's true. Um, At least think. I, maybe. We've been together for almost 14. Okay. So we've been married for almost 12. Yeah. And you have no kids. You have, uh, you know, you both got good careers. Mm-hmm. Good. Got a house. Got a house. Got a snowblower. Got a cat. We're good to go. Yeah. Uh, so more detail has uh, emerged more detail that is about why Shillian Woodley and Aaron Rodgers. This is in L magazine, by the way. I found this on the internet. Uh, why Shillian Woodley and Aaron Rodgers have ended their engagement, and sources have made it clear to People, E, Us Weekly, and Entertainment Tonight that their relationship of yes, uh, of less than two years failing, is not a huge surprise to anyone who knew them. Why? Did it say any details? Any? Yes. Okay. I had to turn the page. A source close to the former couple told people they fell hard and fast, but it was a mismatch from the start. Aaron's a complicated guy. No crap. Mm -hmm. No one in their circle is surprised that this didn't work out. In the bubble of the pandemic, it was easy for them to fall in love and focus only on their relationship, but that's not real life. E's source reiterated this, quote, they are two very different people. They're both focused on their careers, but it took them in separate directions. They remain supportive of one another and on good terms, end quote. Us Magazine says that their political differences also contributed. as And they put this in parentheses as if the whole world didn't know. Woodley is more liberal compared to Rogers. No crap. No way. No. Bowl me over with a feather. <laughs> a granola actress in Hollywood versus what we've, you know, Joe Rogan's best friend. Yeah. Quote. They certainly had their differences, and ultimately their relationship didn't work. They thought they were a good match for each other in the beginning, but the more they got to know each other, they realized their careers, their interests, and their political views weren't aligned. He was focusing more on the sport than on the future plans with Shailene, the source added. And Entertainment Tonight's source added to this, saying that their jobs as an actress and a football player made it tough to maintain a relationship. Did she want him to just quit football and they want to have kids and live happily ever after? One of those things? I'm not sure. Uh, the, the final quote that I have is, they called it quits but remain friends. We'll see how that goes. Well, They tried to make their relationship work, but with busy careers in different industries, it was hard to see one another. The two have no animosity toward one another and plan to remain as friends. Again, I'll believe that when I see it, but that's what broke them up. Remain they, as friends how? When do they ever see each other ever again? They're not. <laughs> Aaron and Danica are not friends and at least they were both sports people. Mm-hmm. Aaron and Olivia, I don't believe are still friendly with each other the way that Olivia has spoken about Aaron since the breakup. Who's ever friendly with your ex? Oh, we're still friends. What? You can no. I think that you can still be on good terms but not, you know, texting each other every well, day. I think every one of my exes hates me. <laughs> oh come on! I don't, don't think any of my exes. Hate oh god! Me. Yeah, there's a reason why we're exes. Okay. Yeah. Well, everybody. I'll be honest with you. Everybody handles it differently, so <laughs> I, I don't I, think much of them either. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. But 
this was never going to work. I mean, I think everyone was so surprised. Remember when we first found out about Aaron and Shailene? It was only a couple of days before the NFL honors a year ago. Mm-hmm. By the way, Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley have been secretly dating. And then three days later, Aaron drops the bomb that he's engaged. And he just casually mentions his fiance, mm-hmm. And then we learn more and more and more. And, you know, they take their PDA-packed trips to Disneyland and then they go on vacation with Miles Teller and his model wife, and they're singing uh, Taylor Swift songs with a ukulele back in Hawaii. I mean, it was just—it was all so much, but the demands of a football season. And Shailene, when she was on with, I think it was Jimmy Fallon, he was asking about her, or he was asking about their relationship, and asking what she knows about football. She didn't know squat about football. Do you think some of this has to do with Green Bay? That maybe she's, you know, she doesn't want to be in Green Bay at all. That's Green Bay is not for everybody. You know, guys like us, we've lived here our entire life. We can handle it. Um, but she's like, well, I don't want to be up in Green Bay. I'm a, I don't, it's cold weather. I don't want to be here. Well, she apparently had a house in Boulder, Colorado, which isn't, you know, it's not Hawaii sure. or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But it's got the mountains and there's yeah. skiing and there's things. That, you know, certainly there are to do in Boulder. I mean, Green Bay is a very blue-collar town. Aaron Rodgers has made it work for him, Mm -hmm. for somebody who's come from California and always had this air of being too cool for school, too cool for Green Bay. You know, he's coming from California, had this aloofness about him. And, you know, he spent so many time, so much time with so many actresses, whether it was, you know, we talked about Jessica Zor from Menominee Falls, but she's a, a Hollywood actress and has been successful in her career, as well as Danica, who, while not an actress, has spent more time, uh, you know, in the public eye than most people. Olivia Munn, obviously, uh, a Hollywood actor as well, is, and now Shailene. So he's got a type, apparently. How old is Shailene? Uh, she's younger than he is. I think that she's, I don't know if you, she might be 30 by now, but okay. she's not much older you, than 30. Do you think that maybe, you know, some women when they are 30s, they'd think, okay, I'm running out of time to have kids here. Um, you know, obviously, Aaron, I don't think, feels that way. But did Shailene maybe feel that way? That Aaron, if, if we're not going to have kids here, what am I doing with you? Yeah, I mean, she's only 30. I just looked it up. So okay. she. Well, I mean, still, you know, you got ten ten 10-year window there. Yeah. I mean, women are having children later and later and yeah. later. I have no idea if that's what entered into it. Now, the sources, according to... E and Entertainment Tonight and People Magazine that I just read. They didn't mention anything about kids, mm-hmm. but they're two people who are just so opposite. They're going in different directions. And I don't know if she wanted him to retire and now he doesn't want to retire. But again, if you're going to spend a life with somebody and you're a professional athlete, you're going to be retired for a long time. Even if Aaron Rodgers plays three more years, I don't mm-hmm. think he's necessarily going to. But even if he plays three more years, that would put him at forty-one. You've got a lot of life in front of you at forty-one. Oh, absolutely. I'm, you know, fifties here, and I've, if I had to retire, I'd be like, Ugh. you know, what am I going to do for the next fifty years? Well, but if you're Aaron Rodgers and you've got two hundred and fifty mil in the bank, yeah, you can literally afford to live wherever you want, sure. do whatever you want. Travel to wherever you want. It's all private planes. Mm-hmm. You you will never want for anything ever again. You will never know any kind of economic insecurity for the rest of your life, unless you do something stupid. Well, yeah, with your money and which by all ac- have <laughs> well, true. Uh, it does not appear that uh, Aaron has been stupid with his money. I don't think he's bought a couple of houses, but you know those can be investments if you sell them, mm-hmm. like the the house that he sold with Danica. I mean, it reminds me of. Shortly after Wes Edens and Mark Lazary bought the Bucks, one of the first things they did was they held a symposium with their players saying, we want you to not be broke 
five years out of the league like most players are. Mm-hmm. So we will help you manage your money and you know we'll we'll pay you a legitimate NBA salary, but we would like you to have that wealth that spans generations for your children. We'll help show you why. Most owners don't do that. No, and I, I when I see even like Icky Woods on the sidelines the other day, you know, he's got to wear the Icky Woods jersey on the sidelines. The, yeah. You know, he's not relevant anymore, but he was relevant as hell in back in 1988. And uh, I mean, just kind of sad. You see that, you know? You, you see that, but also when you see legends of the game, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go down as one of the absolute legends of the NFL. Most of the time, somebody will pay them something to do something. And I'm always reminded by, you know, Joe Montana, for example, because every year at Radio Row, he makes the rounds. And, yes, it's cool to be able to talk to Joe Montana or when you and I were talking with Jim Kelly mm-hmm. uh, during the week of Super Bowl Forty Five, the interview that rapidly deteriorated when an SI model <laughs> walked by. Um, that was – I have to find the tape of that. It's just hilarious. Yeah. I, I have not been able to find the tape of – Jim Kelly giving us a great, thoughtful answer about losing four straight Super Bowls. And then Marissa Miller walked by, and there were, like, your chin, my chin, and his chin all hit the ground at the same time. <laughs> and if you just stopped, yeah. and the listener probably is wondering, what's going on? And we had to try to maintain some sort of professionalism while on the air at the time. But, you know, Aaron, but when I back to Joe Montana, I already know what Joe Montana is going to be pitching. He's been pitching pistachios for years mm-hmm. on Radio Row. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is ever going to have to do that because the money that he made was so much different than what Joe Montana or Jim Kelly made. So economically, he's fine, but I just think these are two different people that were just going in opposite directions. Well, it's like when I see some of these former athletes go into broadcast, like you, you know, you're hearing about you know Tom Brady. Is he going to go into broadcasting? Tom Brady, why would he want to go into broadcasting when he doesn't have to work? Well, a lot of these guys, like I don't think Tony Romo necessarily has to work, but CBS pays him so much money to work. Same thing with Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman has a private jet. Troy Aikman has a mansion in Texas. Troy Aikman does not have to work. No, I know. Uh, but, and I don't know how much longer he wants to do what he's doing, but when you're the number one guy for Fox and you're probably making a million dollars per game that you're doing, mm-hmm. it's hard to turn that away. Certainly is. And uh, but you know these guys just keep doing it. Plus they like to work. Some of these guys like. You know, there's nothing wrong with still liking to work. You but know? you were mentioning. I think you were talking to me about Drew Brees. I think that was off. Maybe that was off the air. No, or it was on. Drew, how terrible he was at NBC. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Sometimes I, I forget what's on the air and what's off the air. Yeah. He was. Uh, you know. I think the felt the feeling was that he was going to replace Collinsworth, and you know they gave him a little test run doing some, you know, studio stuff, and he was a cliche machine. He was a cliche machine. Yeah, you can't have that. I mean, and it takes a while. And that's what I think everybody kind of glommed on with Romo is that it just seemed like he was so good right off the bat and he was able to predict plays Mm -hmm. and people really liked his enthusiasm. And he just seemed like he was in every man, like he was from Burlington, Wisconsin, as opposed to somebody who played played quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, a glamour position. He just seemed like he was Tony from Burlington. The to- I mean, the, the people in the state really embrace Tony, even though he's from here. They look at it and say, oh, there's Tony. I mean, I don't really do that with Tony. Look at Oh, he's one of us. Ever been to Burlington? Yeah. Oh, I go yeah. to, I, I love the golf course there, Browns Lake Golf Course. Oh, it's fabulous there. Walk into Fred sometime in Brook- uh, in downtown Burlington. Yes. It's a Tony Romo shrine. Is that the hamburger joint? Yeah. Yeah, very good hamburgers. No, I like Burlington. I like Browns Lake. There's a bar on Browns Lake that's got great food. 
I love golfing out there. See my buddy Jeff Lafleur, who's the golf pro there. Uh, yeah, I, I know I like going out there, and he's and that's Tony Romo's home course. But I don't when I look at Tony, I don't think I don't feel Wisconsin with him. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, he doesn't talk about Wisconsin very much on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't like with JJ Watt. He embraces just being a kid from Pewaukee, and he sure. went to the University of Wisconsin. Tony Romo went to Eastern Illinois. Uh, and so I think that there's a number of mitigating factors as to why we, maybe we don't think of Tony Romo as a Wisconsin. I don't think he was actually born. Not that that should have anything to do with it, but I don't think he was born in Wisconsin. Well, he comes back here and plays in the amateur golf tournament. Yeah. Well, it's golf. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a golfer. Yeah. I mean, I think if the, if the golf tournament was in Craters of the Moon, Idaho, he'd probably go there, too. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that he played high school ball uh, in Burlington. Um you know, I mean, it is his hometown. I don't want to take anything. I don't just because you weren't born in a place. I mean, Craig Council was born in Indiana. He's still from Whitefish Bay. Sure. So, I mean, hell, I was born in Mississippi for crying out loud. Were you really? Yeah. Was your dad a army guy? No, he worked for the Forest Service. Well, he either worked for that or the CIA and the Forest Service was okay. Front. One okay. Of the two. <laughs> Come on, you can't give those secrets out on the air. Well, I, I mean, hey, if he worked for the CIA, God bless him. The, he kept that secret for you know an entire career. So you were born with the. See, I was born in Racine, okay. I, but I grew up in Greendale. Well, I grew up in Waukesha. I mean, I got I got to Waukesha when I was in kindergarten. Sure, sure. But when people ask me where did I where are you from, I always I, I always say. I'm from Greendale because that's where I spent most of my years as a kid. Yeah. I guess it depends on who's asking me and where. Like if somebody's asking me in Seattle, mm-hmm. where are you from? I'll say Milwaukee. Sure. Because there's a better frame of reference. But if somebody in Wisconsin asks me where I'm from, I'm from Waukesha. You know, the um, Robin on WIBA Madison, he goes, Chuck, where, where are you from originally? And I told her Greendale. And then they thought, you know, they get Glendale and Greendale, which a lot of people do. Get Glendale oh, I and mix it up. Greendale all the time. Yeah. I do. Say, so, nope, Greendale, Southside. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I screw it up all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's Waukesha County for you. We don't think outside of our, our little no. box, I think, sometimes. Mississippi, huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, I was in kindergarten when we moved here. <laughs> you could be doing sports talking. SEC country. Yeah, Determining well, who's cheating and who's not. The hospital that I was born in is less than a mile away from where Jackson State plays. So, oh, wow. Where, you know, Deion, Deion. Sanders is, yeah. is doing his thing right now. Bringing in all the all the recruits with the NIL money, yeah, <laughs> you so. know, uh, and and not associated with this at all. Do you okay? You know, like the college basketball this year. When you look at Bruce Pearl having success at Auburn, yeah, okay. When you look at, he's a Milwaukee guy. Tough, Bruce Pearl. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, Milwaukee gave him. An his opportunity. second chance. Gave him his opportunity, Gave yes. him his, his opportunity okay. after some nefarious nonsense went down. <sighs> after uh, what he did at, uh, you know, at Iowa. Yeah. Um, but, okay. and then, but, the, but in return, Bruce Pearl got UWM to the Sweet 16. Sure. Didn't stay here long enough to get himself into trouble here, but he got in trouble at Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, don't you, when you see a guy have success... Um, like you know, he's got the number one, two ranked team in the country. Three, whatever they fell out of the top, uh, the top spot. But you kind of look at it and say, "Huh, Bruce, what are you doing? What's going on there?" When With you look Bruce, at because because the rap sheet is so long. What's sure? The, if it's Calipari, sure, because the rap well, sheet is so long. You know, the coach at Houston, um, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson. Okay, after what he did at Indiana. What did he? It was text messages. No phone calls. Oh yeah, phone. God, phone calls. Oh no. Well, there's a few other things too. Um, 
but read the stories on him. Um, and but you know, I mean, at Houston, don't you got to kind of look at your NCAA? If I was the NCAA, okay, I'd be like going, I'd say, oh, geez, Auburn's number one. Maybe I need to take a look at a little investigation, see what's going on there. Yeah. Oh, with Houston, let's uh, see what, you know, any guys who've had a pass I, with the NCAA, I would especially be looking over their shoulder and saying, what are you doing here? I Unless Kentucky, there's something Calipari. that I'm missing with, with uh, Kelvin, that was the NCAA just being a bunch of ninnies clutching their pearls. It's not like he was paying players. No. Did a few things there. Uh, just, you know, not good. Um, but Indiana, uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to come after Indiana if they weren't at fault of doing something. So I think that might have been the second place. The here. NCAA, I, I, I used to have a list of all the things that used to be NCAA violations. And one of them, I think, was at Oklahoma. And I think it was football players. And I'm... I might be mistaking the exact school and the exact sport, but there was an NCAA violation for two players taking too much pasta at a team banquet. They took impermissible pasta. But they've probably done worse Banquet. There's probably they worse were, things. The NCAA dinged, I think it was Oklahoma, well, for the sake of argument. They dinged Oklahoma for two kids taking too much pasta Okay. At a team lunch. Okay. But look at all the things they probably got away with her when Bootlegger's boy was there. Barry yeah. Switzer. Oh, well. <laughs> look how many things they got away with probably there. Sure. So why, I okay. mean, the, the way that the NCAA hands out their justice is ludicrous. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, there was another time that another school got dinged for having improper uh, icing on cookies given to prospects. Okay, well, those are very those are stupid. That's what I'm saying. This is who the NCAA is though. But the way that they up- the way that they hand out their punishments, there's no consistency. There's for the the dumbest things. But if you've committed to me to my college, you've committed to play for me and you're calling and coach over here is still calling you and asking you, "Hey, you know what? You can come over here and and this this and that's wrong." Well, that happens all the time. That happens, I mean... Well, Bruce did, Bruce did that at UWM. Well? Bruce did that at the UWM when I was at Green Bay. Who do you think is clean? There aren't very many if that's, if that's your Who do I test. think is clean? If, if that's your bar for who's clean, that, that group is going to be very, very small. Who's, how about who's cheating? Well, I mean, the ones that if you did something serious enough... Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I use Jim Trestle at Ohio State. Jim Trestle was thought of as this buttoned-up guy who would never do anything wrong. Well, he lied to the NCAA about, quote-unquote, improper benefits. I don't think the benefits were that improper. Um, there were players that were selling like those some of the memorabilia that they would get, mm-hmm. and Jim Trestle knew about it, and he lied about it to the NCAA. Okay, well, you can't do that, obviously. But you know what Jim Trestle's doing right now? He's a university president in Ohio at a smaller school. So, yeah, but he's not the head coach at Ohio State, one of the most prestigious no, jobs part in America. Of, part of what brought him down yeah. was the fact that he lied to the NCAA about yeah. that. You look at you know, a guy like Urban Meyer. Uh, did Urban Meyer break any rules, uh, NCAA rules? Um, probably, but can you point to anything specifically other than the fact that he recruits nefarious characters like Aaron Hernandez? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, when a third of his team at Florida gets arrested for this, that, or the other thing, whether it's gun possession, whether it's theft, whether it's uh, you know assault or, or whatnot. I mean, the, the rap sheet on the players that Urban Meyer brought into Florida 
it's as long as your arm. Sure. So that follows you. So I would, if you're a university and you want to bring in Urban Meyer, I, I guess the question then becomes, do you take the resume, the three trophies, but you also know that there's going to be some nonsense that comes along with it as well? Well, that's the case with Urban, with um, Bruce Pearl. You know, he's, you know, he, he does something wrong. He's going to, you know, that school's going to get some, some sanctions because they've hired him. They've put some trust in him. Now he better behave himself down there. Otherwise, you know, I'm just saying, if you, one one misstep, whether you did wrong on purpose or not, and you're going to lose your, you're going to get that school in the who had faith in you in a whole heap of trouble. Will in Greenfield writes on the talking text line four one four seven nine nine one ninety seven three. By the way, Bruce Pearl lied about a barbecue at Tennessee. Big deal. He's a hell of a coach. Would you okay. send your kid to Bruce Pearl? Uh, to play for him, you yeah. know, Bruce Pearl is a salesman. Bruce Pearl, you know, he's going to be wearing his Auburn stuff, and he's at Auburn. And he's gonna, when he's wearing a shirt at all, but go on. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying, you know, he's going to be all in. You know, he goes there, and then, you know, he's going to talk, talk trash about Tennessee. When he's at Tennessee, you know, he was all in, and he was taking his shirt off in the stands and all that. And he's he's going to be – people are going to love him. If he's your guy, and they love him at UWM too. I'm just telling you, <laughs> don't take that guy for, you know – for honesty, that's for sure. We were talking about uh, Aaron and Shailene before. Rich and Fondy writes, what about the baby? <laughs> Remember that rumor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on vacation and Shailene's, you know, all over social media in a bikini. Like, oh, maybe she's not pregnant. No, no. Um, you know, back to Aaron Rodgers. Back to Aaron Rodgers with Shailene. You asked, where does he go from here? You know, I just think, I think he's coming back to play football. I think he's going to concentrate on his career, probably. And, uh, you know, I, obviously, you know, according to all these reports, Shane wanted him to give up football. Well, and I don't think Aaron, doesn't sound like Aaron ready to give it up just yet. Well, I, if that's the case, all I would tell Shailene is he's going to be retired a lot longer than he was an active athlete yep. while the two of you were together. So if that's a deal breaker for you, then I guess the deal was broken. Yeah. So that's about all you can do. I'm Doug. He's Chuck. We're in for Drew and KB. It's after 5 o'clock. Thanks for spending. It's now officially part of your weekend, so thanks for spending it with us. Stay with us. Doug and Chuck in for Drew and KB for just a few more. Are you okay over there? Yeah. Just drop something? Yeah. Drop your phone? Almost dropped my phone, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a lifeblood. You can't crack that screen. No. Once you crack the screen, it's all over. It's all over, yeah. Cell phones are expensive if you have to go out and buy another one. Jeez. Oof. Who would have guessed, you know, when we were kids that we'd be paying $700 for a cell, a cell phone just to replace it in two years? Well, I don't replace mine every two years. I've had mine for over three now. Okay, well, almost you know, four, three, four years, whatever. Yeah, I'm not ready to replace mine yet. I've I've got an eight, so I it still works. Seven still works. Okay, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can get a new one, you know, just by extending your contract with your provider. Sometimes 
Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. If I could do that, I'd do it. Um, okay. I just got mine. Uh, it's, it's all good. I, I, do you have an iPad? Do you, do you work on an iPad? I have an do... old iPad that oh. I haven't used in a long time. We we have an old iPad, too. We just use for music, for playing music in the house. Okay. Had that connected to the wireless. Okay. I have my phone connected to that. I've got Apple, so I can dial up whatever I want. Right so on my phone. It's big nice. weekend plans for you this weekend, Russ? Yeah, well, hopefully the the, the wind isn't going to be blowing all weekend long because you brought up my phone. My phone has been buzzing all day long because we've got security cameras all over the house. Mm-hmm. And anytime anything comes in front of the security camera, it buzzes your phone. We've got these damn turkeys, and usually it's the turkeys that are, you know, walking in front of the cameras and mm-hmm. buzzing the buzzing the phone. I'm used to that, but what I wasn't used to is that on our back porch, we've got another camera for the uh, steps that lead up to the porch and then on into the house. And because it's been so windy, the wind has been just jarring it just enough. So the the picture itself changes. Mm-hmm. So it's been buzzing all, every thirty seconds, and I think Erica must have disabled it just because it's been a little bit better in the last half hour or so. But I must have had forty to fifty notifications that there was motion at my back door oh, wow. okay. today. That's... It's like Mike, enough. <laughs> That's enough. And I keep checking it because you know. If somebody's breaking into my house, well, you want to know about, it. Yep. To know about mm-hmm. it. So that's why we have the camera set up in the first place. Every door in our house is covered. So good luck trying to break into my house. It's not going to work. Um, but like the the grill on the back porch, the, uh, the the cover was just shaking just mm-hmm. enough because it was so windy. And apparently it's – I haven't been outside at all today, but apparently it's pretty windy. Well, my kid wants to try out – my 10-year-old, Brady, wants to try out – uh, lacrosse, playing lacrosse. Now he's a heck of a hockey player. Okay, a good athlete. Uh, has been playing baseball, and he's a good baseball player. But he wants to try lacrosse, and he's going to try it out this weekend. We're going to take him to this place, and it's a, you know one of those things where you can now you know you could try out if you like it or not. Um, so I don't know a thing about lacrosse. I've seen it. I've been to on lacrosse. TV. Oh wait, that's I've something been to lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we're on in lacrosse. We are? No, I don't think so. we are. Yeah. Are we? Well, somebody's probably listening on the app sure. in lacrosse. Um, the odds are. But, uh, you know, I love I love this, I love love the city of lacrosse. Yeah, Western fun. Wisconsin, the Cooley region and all that. Yeah, right on the border. But, uh, you know, we're, so he's tomorrow afternoon. We're, you know, taking him to Appleton, and he's trying out lacrosse. Okay. And, you know, I, I want him to play baseball, but he's got to play what he wants to do. You know, I'm going to let him try it. But, you know, nowadays, I guess you could try out some of these sports without having to commit to it to see if you like it or not. That's smart. Yeah. I mean, you know, you do that before you buy all the equipment because mm-hmm. I assume that lacrosse equipment isn't cheap because you've got the helmet, you've got the pads, you've got the apparatus, the bat. Is it a bat? Or? I don't know. I don't know, Russ. And the deal is, I, you know. Somebody hit us up on the talk and text line, 414 799 1973. What is, what is lo- the thing called? I mean, if it's up to me, I'd like to see him play baseball because he is a good baseball player. He's a good pitcher. He's put a lot of time into it. He can hit. Um, and I just would hit, you know, I grew up playing baseball. Uh, selfishly. You can't project that on him. No, though. I know. Selfishly, I'd like to see it. He's got to do what he wants to play, but he's going to give it a tryout. And I, you know, and 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 I was thinking, you know, my dad would have told me, you know, if I want to try it, I'd try it. He'd let me try it. So I'm going to let. Why Brady... lacrosse? Well, he's a hockey player, okay. and you know, the is Rob... there a field hockey team? Is is field hockey and lacrosse? Here's my ignorance. <laughs> is it the same thing? <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. All right. So no, help us out. Here. I think it, I, I deal in the big four. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey. Okay, soccer. 
Well, no, he doesn't play soccer anymore because okay. uh, he's playing the other sports. But, you know, yeah, selfishly, I'd like to see him play baseball. I think he's got a lot of talent in baseball. But, you know, he feels like lacrosse, the coaches have told him that lacrosse is going to help his aggressiveness in hockey. Okay. Um, but, you know, he's going to play a sport that maybe some of the kids have already been playing all these years. He's a natural athlete. So we'll see how this goes tomorrow. That's that's how I'm spending my Saturday. Uh, and the 262, it's called a lacrosse stick. And, okay. And, by the way, thank you for saying it's a lacrosse stick as opposed to it's a lacrosse stick, comma, idiot, period. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, don't know a thing about it. I know that they you know they throw the ball in the nets with that lacrosse stick. That much I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm familiar with it enough to kind of be able to recognize it. But when I hear field hockey and lacrosse. Are they are they both different? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I've never played it. I don't know the rules. Uh-huh. I've seen it, but I don't know the rules. I don't know how many. Players are on a side. When I was um, a kid growing up in Greendale, there was three sports to play. I mean, hockey had not taken, had not um, well, moved in yet. Well, the problem with hockey is that it's it's a very expensive sport for kids to play because you've got all the pads, you've got the skates, which mm-hmm. aren't cheap. You've got sticks. It's probably, yeah, it's either football or hockey. Maybe it's hockey, the most expensive sport to play because those again, those skates are. Expensive. Well, here's where the grow. here's where the expense comes in. Ice time too. He yes, uh, he plays for the Green Bay Gamblers, um, the, uh, the junior team. junior team, but <laughs> not he, but he, not, no, the senior. not the not the no, but he plays for the junior team, the ten year olds, which is still pretty prestigious. You know, they're a traveling team. You know, they're going to tournaments all over the place, and you know, they, the, the people from all over the state play on this team, and they got practice every weekend. There's a lot of commitment from parents for this. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt, and. If your kid is a bench warmer or doesn't have the talent to continue on with the sports that that they're playing, sometimes you wonder whether or not it's worth it. But I'm sports isn't cheap. I did a series, I don't know, five or six years ago about youth athletics, mm-hmm. and you know I did a really deep dive into it. And the amount of not only time which you brought up, which is which was one element to my story, but also you know the expenses, uh, how much kids you know, burn through equipment. That's why, you know, a place like Play It Again Sports is so important because you know, who's made of money around here? I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's made out of money. I'm not. You're not. No. We're well, not made of money. Most of the people listening to the show and it's a are made of money. And it's a, to- and it's a time commitment for the parents. You know, not only, not only sports, but like dance. You know, uh, Shannon's daughter was in dance, and, you know, that's a financial commitment. That is a commitment. Um her part uh, as a parent. Um, there's a lot that goes into it that parents, it's just not the kid. It's the parents that, you know, are the backbone of this, are taking these kids around and dropping them off at practice and investing. And, you know, when you got to go out of town. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, my kid's going to try lacrosse and see how it goes. And if he likes it, he likes it, and we'll play it. But, you know, it's 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 got to be his decision. Well, that's good. At least you're not, you know, shoving him toward baseball. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But it's great that but there's actually a place that... Selfishly, I like from play baseball because he's a good baseball player and the dad played baseball and I love baseball. Okay, well, I love baseball too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right, hopefully there's going to be some baseball. Oh, Russ, I don't think we're going to have baseball for a while. They're meeting on Monday. Finally, here's from John Heyman, who tweeted this earlier today. Said, well, both sides are finally starting to feel some urgency. What? Now? Now, yeah. You're finally starting to feel it now? Sure they are. Did you finally look at a calendar? <laughs> Did you finally decide that, oh, well, March, I guess, is coming, isn't it? Well, I think what they feel when they say urgency that, you know, you know if we're going to miss a paycheck here if we don't get going. Yeah, well, that's the other part of it, too. 
We'll have a quick trip, quick takeaways of the show, the day, and the week. Coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. It's the Drew and KB Show. Without Drew or KB, one more segment with Doug and Chuck. Stay with us. Came in close, I heard a voice. couple of moments with us, Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman, Drew and KB back on Monday. Uh, by the way, Rich and Fondy, thank you for clarifying. He sent this to us via the PellaWI.com talk and text line. To clarify, lacrosse is not the same sport as field hockey. Okay. Uh, field hockey uses a stick that is curved and is used to push the ball up a field. The goal in lacrosse is smaller, and you do not push the ball up the field, but rather toss it between nets attached to sticks held by players. Okay. So, thank you, Rich and Fondy. And then there's polo. Po- well, polo's on horses. Yeah, I'd like to see my kid try that. Get, <laughs> get on a, get on a horse. With, good luck with that, Bill. <laughs> Would I have to own my own horse? I think you have to own two horses because you need two of them to get through a match because there's so much running involved. So, you got to, if one's tired, you got to get on the other one? Yes. Okay. I didn't, I so, you have to have two horses. Well, okay. The so long you did- stick, the... You know, the Prince Charles helmet. Amazing. You couldn't tell me the difference between field hockey field hockey and um uh lacrosse, yet you you got polo figured out. I got polo down. <laughs> I got I got that down. Uh what else I got down is the no stink apparel that we are all uh blessed to have here in southeastern Wisconsin and uh, entire state of Wisconsin for that matter, from our friends at Iron Jack. We of course come to you from the Iron Jack Studios. Iron Jack, the most advanced performance apparel ever made. Now through February twenty seventh, the end of the month. If you buy seventy five dollars or more of Iron Jack, you'll get a no stink duffel bag for free. No promo code as long as your shopping cart is over seventy five bucks. The duffel bag is automatically added to your order for free. Go to ironjock.com. That's iron J O C dot com so you know if your kid's gonna change sports and get into one of those well you're a hockey dad so you know all about trying to deal with the stink you know well oh yeah oh yeah absolutely getting him in the shower is another problem um but yeah when hose him down if you have to no you're right oh i know i know um but yeah those you know those things are gonna uh, in our house, there's going to be a new place to put the hockey stuff because otherwise it smells. It smelled in the condo that we are at. So we'll be putting that hockey stuff somewhere else in a separate room. A hockey locker room, if you've never been in one, it is. Mm. And, you know, you and I have been in, ho- you know, basketball, football, baseball, all kinds of sports, uh, not lacrosse or field hockey, apparently. But every other sport, you go into a hockey locker room and it is foul. Why is it worse in a hockey locker room than a football one, though? I'd ever, I could never... It's all the sweat. It's all the sweat because in at least in football, it, you can disperse the sweat. You take off your helmet and it goes, Okay, you know, when you're on the sidelines and you don't have the gloves in uh, football that you have in hockey that that traps all of that yeah, sweat in. Okay. And that's what it is. Time now for our quick trip, quick take of the day. It's brought to you, of course, as the name would indicate, by Quick Trip. If you need something for dinner tonight, it's Friday night. Nobody wants to cook. Don't cook. Stop by your local Quick Trip and pick, uh, pick up a freshly prepared take-home meal. Always fresh, never frozen. Uh, my favorite, the spicy chicken penne. Uh, also, fettuccine alfredo with grilled chicken. You've got the uh, meatloaf with mashed potatoes, gravy, spaghetti, meatballs, more. They've got a whole section of it there, and you can pick it out and take it home, heat it up, and you don't have to cook. Like it's myself, a, a nice thing. big hot chocolate from Quick Trip. It is a beautiful, beautiful 
Especially uh, on a good like coffee. The, Quick Trip has good coffee, too. Oh, yeah. We never talk about the coffee. Why don't we ever do that? Because oh, their coffee's fantastic. Well, you know, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I like the smell of coffee, if that makes any sense. And it does smell well. Okay. Um, what I've learned this week, uh, you know, today, um, that, you know, two things. Doug is a, Doug Russell is a polo Aficionado? Expert. Yes. I couldn't a tell you anything expert. more about it. I, not wearing a polo I've, shirt. I've exhausted polo. all of my polo knowledge. But you told me you. that you need two horses. Yeah. To play polo. That's true, you do. Okay, that's two more than I have. <laughs> They're not, so by the way, not horses polo. aren't cheap. Fun <laughs> fact. No. Fun fact. Anything else from the week? No, that's uh, that, we've had a fun week. We did. I had a good time here being here, you know, f- sitting in for those two guys. And, you know, this is like, you know, once a year we sit in for, or at least I do. I've been in here for the whole week, whether it's with you or Schmitty last year. And just fun. Just you know, whenever I get a chance. I'm usually on, you know, people always ask, you know, when are you going to be on the air? When are you, I, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be on the air. But when I am, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be on in the state network and in the great city of Milwaukee. I'm on every day. I'm 1310 WIBA Madison doing mornings, uh, doing the morning sportscast. I love doing it there. But, um, you know, just uh, in the broadcasting business, you know, you're just, we're having a good time. My takeaway is that it's about time that the players and owners stop dinking around and get in front of each other knowing that Spring training is already going to be pushed off. It was supposed to have already started. Major League Baseball today came out and said that there aren't going to be any uh, spring training games either in the Grapefruit League or the Cactus League Mm -hmm. until at least March 10th. Guys, nobody's crying poor in Major League Baseball. The owners are making their money. The players are making their money. Figure this out. Yeah. And... You know, they, there's a, a saying that the hog gets fat, but the pig, or no, the pig gets fat, but the hog gets greedy, and they, the, the hog gets killed. I screwed that entire thing up. That was no, but I would have been something I just learned. I would have changed my quick trick uh, play of the day. Okay, right there. Uh, whatever that, <laughs> whatever that expression was. <laughs> it's pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Okay, good grief, screwed that up completely. Um, so that's the other thing that I'm taking away. My colloquialism game needs some str- needs some strength to I, it. I told the people on WIBA this morning. I said I was going to do the Doug Russell drinking game. Uh, how many times do you use the word ostensibly? But I, you did not use it one time today. Have I used it a lot this week? <laughs> yes. Oh. It's better, that's a Doug, you know, it used to be extrapolate was the Doug Russell word. Okay. But this week it was ostensibly. Okay. Well, so I, it's, my word of the, it's my word of the week, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> my word of the day calendar. Learn a, learn a new word every day. Ostensibly. Ostensibly. You ostensibly done. have a good weekend. Thank you. You as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Drew and KB are back in the big chairs uh, coming up on Monday. Chuck, it was fun. It was a great time. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.